1: Världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson Hoj, här kommer Karlsson
0: Karlsson, Carlsson. Ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Läser roll som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson
1: scores Karlsson, Karlsson Världens bästa Karlsson
0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys, one Eric Carlson and their Keeper Pools. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and I've got two friends with me today. First, of course, is my regular co-host, the fantasy hockey robot, the poobah of prognostication, Bridecom.
2: Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. I am jacked. And ready to uh, subjectively decide on which take is the hottest. You haven't even told people that's what we're doing this yet. So sorry for (laughs) blowing that for you
0: big surprise ruined, except we did say it on the last episode. This is a very exciting episode. We're doing our, I don't know, semi-annual we usually do it once or twice a year, hot takeoff. We've got submissions from all of the listeners who decided to throw in what they thought is the hottest take prediction for next year, and to help explain what all that means, we've got our special guest It was originally supposed to be the great John Reed. John couldn't make it, though happy birthday, John, and we're definitely going to get John on soon, but instead, we've got a ringer for this week. You know him very well because he is one half of the great short shifts podcast your friend and mine ben
1: burnett thank you so much for having me guys i'm really excited to be here
0: Yeah, super stoked to have you, Ben. Uh, You've got a big job today. You've taken all of the... Well, originally John took all the submissions and then he passed them along to you and you've been curating over the past couple of days all of the hot takes. So before we get into what all that means, I'm just going to say very quickly that we are presented by DauberHockey.com who are doing God's work right now, right? Like there's no hockey going on, but the the good people at Dauber Hockey are still pumping out articles. They're supporting Frozen Tools to help us prepare shows like this. It's an awesome site. Definitely give them your support even with the NHL pause. So check it out every day for new articles, Dobberhockey.com. But okay, Ben, so this is the thing that we're doing, right? And, and and you're like the leader here. So I don't know I don't know who should explain. It. I guess I could just quickly say, like, like I said last week, we've got all these suggestions of these takes of predictions for next season. And we said that we want them to be hot takes, meaning like a, they have to be hot. They have to be spicy. have to go. Wow, That's like, not just, Oh, I think Connor McDavid's going to win the art Ross or whatever. It's like something that, that makes people go, huh? That, that's not general consensus, not the common wisdom, but we find that interesting. And then also it has to be defendable. Uh,
1: ben, you've been going through the takes. What, what, what do we got ahead of us? We have some uh, some very picante takes coming through. Essentially, Elon, <laughs> to add to your point, Connor McDavid winning the Art Ross, that would be considered a cold take. Uh, a hot take would be something like actually uh, Jujar Kara is going to come out and win the Selkie Trophy this next year. Something that, yes, exactly to your point. That you would not expect—that uh, you would not expect to come true. I've put together some guidelines. I'd love to uh, read so that people kind of know what to expect. Is that okay with you?
2: I love guidelines.
1: I and this is an interesting dichotomy that people don't realize about the Brelon grouping is that there's a, a Brian is asking for a rubric he wants to know exactly what to do Elon's like people will get it don't hold their hands so anyway i put these together for people hopefully it's helpful first of all i split these takes into four categories we have forwards defense goalies and teams there are also a number of takes that were condensed for time and will be entered as a lightning round probably mid show we were talking about any submissions that were more than a sentence or two have been summarized the rationale that people have provided have does add interesting context, but I think it's kind of up to Brian and Elon to talk themselves into these takes. If they do misunderstand the basis of the submission, I will add context. Otherwise, I think the take should be able to stand up on its own. I have had to cull some takes also, especially if anyone submitted more than two. I'm sorry, but we had so many submissions and some takes were chopped for time. Some were also combined, so we had a few players who were mentioned more than once. I'll give an example, let's say two people made something about Pavel Buchnevich's goal totals in 2021, I'll present them both to you at the same time and have you judge them each simultaneously in an effort to save time. And finally, Brian and Elon will be scoring each take out of 10. The idea is you're looking for both hotness of take and believability, so, you know, Something that you didn't expect to hear, but that you do see as possible, that would be a 10. Something that isn't hot or that you don't see possible, that would be a 1 or a 2. You know, I guess that's up to the specific judge to determine how they want to be judging these. From there, the top three scores will be revisited in a final round. Brian and Elon, I'm going to give you each an opportunity to bring one take back from the take grave. And so at the end, we will talk about five finalist takes and the winner will be chosen from that group. Oh, I love boy. this
2: this is that was such a good preamble Ben. I love all the guidelines and structure and rules so that we all understand and our listeners can understand. I also really liked that you cut like a take a hot take needs to be one or two lines max like I appreciate whatever other details that someone wants to add but it, it does as you said Ben it needs to stand on its own. I need to be able to hear that take and judge and weigh it as is.
0: Okay, well, I, I feel like if it was up to Brian Ben would now join every single episode, because yeah, I guess this is very well organized and structured, and so I'm ready to get going. Uh, in case, like, we've buried the lead here, right? Like, the reason why we're doing this is because the NHL is paused what? because of, <laughs> yeah, because of the uh, coronavirus, and we obviously wish, hope that everyone's safe and following all the guidelines being set up by the government and all that. So I just want to throw that out there, and like, you know, we wish the best of listeners, and also thank you so much for listening. And we're going to keep trying to throw you crazy episodes. I hope you liked last week's episode. We didn't really hear much from you, but I'm going to assume that means you liked it, where we revisited a show from three years ago. I actually have another silly idea for how to move forward with bonkers ideas over the next few weeks to try to keep people at least a little bit entertained about fantasy hockey, even though nothing's going on. And, but anyway, yeah, so this is the hot takeoff. We hope you like it. Ben,
1: why don't you just uh, take it away? Give, throw us our first take. Uh, we're going to start in the forward section, and as I mentioned, this is a combo take, so I'm going to give you guys two right now. They're both about Patrick Laine. I want you to judge each of them uh, at the same time. First, Patrick Line will get re-addicted to Fortnite during his quarantine. He'll slow down significantly next year. As added context, this submitter mentioned his huge jump in secondary assists as the reason for this year's strong showing. And the second take next season will be the year Patrick Lyonnais at age 23 will score at least 55 goals and therefore win the Maurice Richard Trophy. So you guys need to judge these two. Lyonnais will s- slow down significantly next year or Linea will score at least 55 goals and win the Maurice Trophy.
2: Okay, I'll start. Let's start by just recognizing that Linea had 28 goals in 68 games this year so that puts him on pace for uh just under 35 goals whereas uh in the past in his career like he had 30 goals last year in like the year that everything was off and terrible and he only had 50 points the years before 44 goals and he was still pacing the finish below his rookie year total of 36 goals and the reason for both the low goal total seasons that have uh, followed the two strong seasons that he started with are that Liney's shooting percentage did not hold up after the first couple of years we thought, or at least I thought he was going to be this high percentage converter 17, 18% all you ever heard about was his shot, his shot, his shot. And then the last couple of years, he's been a consistently a 12% shooter in all situations and under Neath the numbers, there's really not much changing between these four seasons except for those shooting percentages. He's taking a similar amount of shots. There's similar threat level, uh, similar shot attempt numbers each season, except the second season, like where he had 44 goals, they spiked, but they've settled back down again since then. So, uh, I am right now rating a take about whether Patrick Liney is going to do we had one take saying he was going to exceed this year, and one take that was saying he going to fall short, right?
1: Yes. 55-plus goals, or he's going to fall shockingly below where he was this year.
2: Okay. I, I guess... Uh elon i'll let you weigh in first before <laughs> i give my judge or you, well, you want me to give my judgment now
0: no i'll, I'll go ahead this is funny you had this whole thing i thought you were Oh were no, i'm ready
2: to weigh in i just don't want to spoil i don't want to influence your vote
0: sure by the way did you know that ben was gonna be bringing up patrick liney to start it was like you were doing a typical show analysis here it was very no, that's all. i
2: had all, i had all my tabs loaded i was ready to roll with wow. whatever ben brought up
0: this is going to be a good test of like our podcasting skills, right? Like this is a, Brian gets a ten out of ten so far in talking about Patrick Liney with no preparation. Uh, okay, so Brian, yeah, I want to hear your scores, like t- for both of those takes. D- do we have to take the Fortnite part into account, or is that just a joke part? I assume
1: it's a joke part, but that's up to your discretion as a judge. All right, Brian, I'll follow Brian's lead.
2: Okay. I think both these takes are wrong. I don't think Patrick Liney is going to move significantly off of where he was this year as a thirty-five goal scorer. So, like, I if I'm judging a take based on whether, uh, like how believe like both are reasonably believable. Like, I like them. Right, Liney could crash and burn because we've seen it before, or uh, he could like go to unforeseen heights, which I believed up until this season uh this season gave me enough data to decide that until I see differently uh until Patrick Liney uh like raises those shot rates again uh, he's stuck at being a 35ish goal scorer so i am going to give it i, I we haven't calibrated our judging system yet i'm going to go i'm just going to throw a 6 on it out of 10 for both yeah
0: Okay, I, that's definitely too high for me. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to be the wet blanket here, I think, in general. I feel like, for me, a six is actually, like, a pretty strong result. And so, Brian, the, like, almost, like, to me, your words don't match your scores. But obviously, yeah, we'll, we'll get calibrated as we go. Maybe after we talk it through, we can also adjust a little bit. Uh, I would agree with you that I feel like neither of them, actually, I just feel like neither of them is, like, too hot of a take in the end, right? Because we've seen him be really awesome in those first couple of years and we saw the potential so it's like not such a hot take to say patrick line is going to become like a 55 goal scorer even i guess that that the 55 instead of 50 i think increases the hotness a little bit but it also makes it a little harder to believe uh but it's also not such a hot take to say that he'll stay the same i guess so the ben the take was that he'll even get worse which, I mean, it's possible, but I, I wouldn't think so. Like, right now he's on a 76 point pace. I guess he could be a little bit worse. I also think it's just interesting in general when talking about Patrick Line, because, yeah, like, to be a, this big goal scorer, like Brian said, like, you want to see more shots. I'm looking here. There's a bunch of players in the league with more shots than Patrick Line, including his linemate, Kyle Connor, who's up to 239 shots compared to uh, Line's 226. So I wonder if we should be predicting Kyle Connor to even get more goals. That would actually be a hot take. Can I submit that into the competition? Connor is going to be scoring more goals than Patrick Laine moving forward. But
2: I was just going to say, I think the the hot take beneath this hot take is that Kyle Connor is going to once again lead the Winnipeg Jets in scoring next year. Yeah. So I
0: feel like I do appreciate the boldness of going to both sides, but I don't, I don't like it enough. I don't think it's hot enough. So I'm actually going to not give it a high score, not because I disagree with it, even though I do agree with you everything you said, Brian, but I'm just going to say, it doesn't excite me. And it may just be the fact that it's the first take and I'm using it too. but I'm going to give both of them a three. Like it's, it's reasonable, it's not terrible, but I'm not excited enough to get higher than five uh, at this point.
2: Okay, so I'm gonna go the the one that says he's gonna underperform, I'm gonna give that a four, and the one that says he's gonna overperform a five.
0: Okay. So there we go. We got our first takes in the book. Ben, you're keeping score here? Uh trying, yes. Hold on.
1: So <laughs> slow down is a four, Brian.
2: Slow down is a four. Speed up is a five.
1: And Elon, you're a three for both. Yeah, three for both. Okay. I actually I don't think that staying Connor is gonna outscore Line a is a is a hot take at this point like he's already no. doing it is he not yeah yeah it's right. not
2: very spicy he had 38 goals he's one of the leading goal scorers in the league which i don't think a lot of people realize mm-hmm. because you see shifley liney wheeler even ehlers was putting up but like uh, kyle connor 38 goals next most mark shifley with 29 then liney with 28 and then ehlers and wheeler the only others above 20 so kyle- Connor just blew away his team along with the rest of the league
0: You know, another reason to not be especially excited about Line is it's like he's already 21 now, which is still very young. So, like, there's still, like, lots of potential coming. But I don't love how he ended the season being centered by Cody Eakin playing on this line with Eakin and Ehlers. Like, I'd love to see Line playing with Shifley. Like, I feel like that could be a recipe for Line to get up to 50-plus goals because Shifley's obviously such a great playmaker. But with that not being a guarantee, it's hard to bank on it. Okay, I guess we got a lot to go. But uh, fun first take. Thanks for whoever submitted that. Should I
1: say who submitted these or no?
0: Uh Yeah, sure. How about after we give the scores, then you could say who submitted it. Unless we give like a really bad score, then maybe you could u- use your judgment on whether you want to save... To
1: save them from uh, being exposed. Sure. Well, our pal Kevin, who's in the chat right now, submitted the uh, Re-Addicted to Fortnite one. He mentioned that it is, of course, a joke, the the readdicted to Fortnite thing in the chat. And uh, Patrick A., who I'm, I believe that was an email submission. Um, thank you, Patrick and Kevin, for your submissions. We're going to move on. This is another double take with uh, takes on Oliver Bjorkstrand. And as opposed to the Line A one, where one member was positive on him and the other was negative, we have two positive takes on Oliver Bjorkstrand. One is a little, I would say, a little uh, more bullish than the, the other. So first take is Oliver Bjorkstrand, top 10 in scoring next year, believe it. And the other is Oliver Bjorkstrand will pace for 70 plus points next year. I'll start with Elon.
0: Okay, yeah, these are very spicy takes for sure, but Bjorkstrand did have that amazing run. I just want to bring up for a second, and so I guess I'll need to sort of like try to kill time while doing research at the the same time, but I feel like Bjorkstrand was at a point per game, right, for a good solid stretch before that final injury. So I'm looking here. Okay, I've got it up here. And over his last 60 days, anyways, that's only 11 games and we have nine points. So I, I, you could probably get give a higher po- uh, time span. But Bjorkstrand basically was getting points almost every game. It was very frustrating seeing him getting all those points when I had him available to me in free agency at one point and let him pass me by in all of my leagues. Uh, so I think the 70 point pace is definitely doable. I think it's like pretty believable, actually, especially if he sticks as being the top line guy and sort of getting the deployment that we expected Cam Atkinson to get. So to me, the 70 points one, I'm gonna disqualify that from getting a high score because it's just not even that hot because he was already doing that for a stretch this year. Like, I guess if you draft him as a 70 point guy, it is a risk. So I do like this better. I don't know why. I like this better than the last one. So I'm going to give that one, I think, uh, a
2: five. When you say that one, be more specific.
0: The 70-point pace. Okay. The other one's top 10 in league scoring. Yeah, okay. Ben's nodding. Uh, Ben's audio podcast so you know I need that okay anyway so the, the top 10 in league scoring uh, I like it like I think actually you no know, the more I think about it obviously this is like you know processing as we go that's a pretty hot take uh, and I think it's believable because he had that stretch where he was getting points almost every game obviously the league is like a high scoring league right now and there's players getting like 120 plus points or pacing for it this season uh, like right now if you look at the overall points leaders I've got, got it got, up
2: already you don't yeah, need I've to yeah I've got stop. it too
0: I got dry sidle at 110 so he's like pacing for, you know, more than Kucherov had last year. And then we've got McDavid, Pasternak, like McKinnon, Panarin, Kucherov. Like, so I guess we would let Yorkstrand fall behind these guys, but he'd still have to be ahead of some pretty big names. I think it's possible, like, because he could, he could definitely take another step forward. We've never seen him get deployment like this until now. And now that he got it, he was showing that he can produce. So I think it's a very good Hot take. I, I'm ready to to give this one a a seven. I think it's like spicy. Like top ten is high, but I don't think it's completely out of the question. So, uh, yeah, give me a give me a seven here.
2: Okay, and then I will. Uh, I'll start with a seventy point angle here. That Bjorkstrand is a seventy point score, and I'm with you, Elon. To me, it's just not spicy enough. He was a point per game player over his last thirty games played. Uh, of the season that like directly coincides with when he started getting I mean we talked about this before if it was a chicken or egg sort of situation did he get more playing time because he started scoring or did he start scoring because he got more playing time but once he finally got the opportunity to do stuff Oliver Bjorkstrand did a whole lot of stuff and a lot of people also don't realize he only got on the power play uh, like he played 50 games he wasn't on the top power play for half of those games. And he wasn't seeing a ton of minutes for half of those games either. But it was still enough to bump his average time on ice per game at five on five up four minutes over last season when it inexplicably went down when he's being not even 11 minutes per night at five on five, which was a career low. And it was like, oh my god, we were pulling our hair out so much because he was doing all All the same things that he did this year. Like, his underlying numbers barely changed. He just got more time to actually do things and, like, better line mates, too. Like, he wasn't getting stuck with third and fourth line scrubs when he was on the ice... So to see that Bjorkstrand, for 30 of his 50 games played this year, was a point-per-game player, uh, leaves no doubt in my mind that he's capable of breaking 70. I like it because it still sounds novel. And like you said, Elon, at the draft table, you're like, oh, am I going to pick Bjorkstrand next to proven 70-point scorer? Uh, I don't know. I'm blanking on a guy here. But like uh, Tavo Teravainen, right? Like, there, there's an example. Do I take Bjorkstrand over Teravainen who was pacing for about that this season? It's really, like, that's where it gets dicey. And that's where you're probably like, oh, I might be able to sneak Bjorkstrand in a later round. But 70 points, I, I like the take a lot because it's plausible, but I think it's a little too plausible to be super hot. So I'm going to give it a five. And then the take about him landing in the top 10, I just don't think it's plausible enough. There's too much talent in this league, too much scoring. If you look to crack the top 10 right now, uh, like, if scoring stayed pace with this season, Björkstrand would need 94 points to tie presently ranked Jack Eichel at 10th in scoring in the league. Uh, so, I just don't think, like, I like the spiciness. It's like eight or nine for spiciness because if Björkstrand really does get let loose, uh, maybe he gets another couple minutes a night, he gets it for all the season instead of just half the season that he played, and he gets top power play time. That's a recipe for him maybe getting. 80 points, but 80 points would barely even... I don't even think it gets you... Yeah, it's not even going to get you top 20 guaranteed this season in scoring. So the plausibility of it takes a hit. So I'm actually... I think all of that equals out to uh, to ranking the same as I, I ranked the first Bjorkstrand take, which is a five.
0: All right. So there we go. Four
1: takes in the books. Perfect. And the leader through those four takes, Oliver Bjorkstrand, top 10 in scoring next year with a 12 out of 20. Uh, that one comes from Trev or uh, Blackstar on Gmail. I'm not. That's the only uh, David Bowie I have. fan. Um, and then the Oliver Bjorkstrand on pace for 70 points from Julian. Uh, we are going to start with Brian on this next one, and we are sticking in the Metro. We're going to talk about the New Jersey Devils. Nikita Gusev will lead all second or first year players in points next year. Brian, thoughts on the spiciness of this take?
2: I just like... Elon's trying to keep a poker face. We don't know <laughs> what each other's takes are. But the second you said New Jersey Devils, I feel like this has Elon all over it. And then when you said Nikita Gusev, it solidified it further. Um, so I'm going to pretend that I truly don't know. And maybe I'm wrong. Elon would be so... It's, it's hard because Elon would be so happy if I guessed wrong about this being his take uh, like, I have a lot to lose by putting that out there. Well,
0: actually, sorry, I think we haven't explained this. Brian and I had a little side bet going, uh, offline, of uh, we're gonna try to get each other to give that their person's take a higher score, right? So I'm trying to get Brian to give my take something higher than he's gonna give, than I, you know, that he's gonna give my take, I'm gonna give his take, but you guys get it. And, uh, yeah, so obviously it's supposed to be hidden in plain sight. Brian thinks, since I've been a big uh, hashtag Team Gusev guy all season that this is mine. Uh, Brian, you know, I'm not the only uh gusev fan out there but i guess uh we'll have to wait and see but uh yeah how are you gonna rank this take
2: so ben can you repeat it that nikita gusev will lead all first and second year players in in scoring yes okay so there's two pieces to this question the first is who like what's the rookie class this year uh i guess the the big one
1: would be lafreniere right
2: Right. I actually meant like the ones playing in this suspended season who are in their first year who will be eligible to fight Nikita Gusev. For that title.
0: Well, here, Brian, let me throw you some names, okay? This year's rookie scoring, there's like obviously Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr on defense. Uh, You've got uh, on Buffalo, Victor Olofsson. Or I guess he did play like a game or two like the year before, but I guess we could just consider this like, Ben, are you, should we just say that's like people who are in their second official season in the
1: league? I think anyone who's in their, who's eligible for the Calder this year would be entering their second year next year.
0: Yeah, okay. okay, so then we've got, like, Olafsson. We've got, obviously, on Chicago, Kubalik had that great run. Then you've got, like, guys like Martin Nichas. Um, it's yeah, just oh, not- and the, oh, and plus, obviously, sorry, let me throw out the two obvious names, Hughes and Kako, who were drafted first and second overall in the draft last year, who had disappointing first years, but obviously could be, you know, come out gangbusters next year, just like a Svechnikov.
2: Hey, what works in Gusev's favor here is that it's not a terribly strong class. Like, right now, the mark to beat is a defenseman. Kale McCarr, who, of course, is fantastic, but there's a ceiling... On Makar, I imagine. That's somewhere around 55, 60 points. And if Gusev gets top line deployment, top power play, that's very doable. Elon, you didn't mention Kubali, who has 46 points and 68. Oh, okay. Uh, so I see. I also see Adam Fox, Nick Suzuki, Kirby Dock, uh, and we mentioned Hughes and Kako. And then next, yeah, Lafreniere uh, honestly seems like he's got a shot to finish top three amongst all first and second year players because it's not an amazing crop. You look at the second year players, first and second year players from the last couple seasons. Alex Brankit had 76 points in 82 games. Petterson had 66 points in about 70 games twice. Pierre-Luc Dubois, 61, Svatishnikov 61. So, I guess
0: Yeah, so I think that Brian, it's fair to say this take is probably saying that Gusev is going to be like in this class.
2: Yeah, so it, yeah. Huh.
0: Don't forget there's also a lot of people who didn't play this year, but were, that are going to still, like, that but were drafted in 2019. Like, you've got your Alex turcotts on right. L.A., like, Dylan Cousins, Philip Broberg, like, uh, well, Broberg's a defenseman, but you, you know what I mean. Like, there's yeah. some players who were drafted before that are finally ready.
2: Yeah, Lassie Thompson. I get it. I totally understand. So, uh... The only, the, the, what I have against this take is that it's not a very interesting measure to say out of all first and second year players. Like, if it was all second year players, maybe. If it was all first year players, definitely. But first and that's a weird basket of hmm. guys to choose from. I guess it's like uh, just supposed to be uh, who. Well, did...
0: I guess it was, I think the idea is it's Gusev, that's Gusev's class, right? Like, Gusev, of all the people that are like well, he's him. he's a second
2: year player, so maybe we should have just said second year player.
0: Sure. Yeah, I guess so. I would think it's like uh, harder to compete against the second-year players and the first-year players. So, so yeah. I-
2: I don't like the frame of it, but I also do think, like, it's illuminating to think about Gusev in this context. Keep in mind, he's also way older than all these other guys, right? Like, this is his age 27 season. All the other names we've mentioned, uh, not a day over 21 except for Dominic Kubalik, who's 24. So, uh, like, I wonder how that factors in here. Maybe it works in his favor, actually. So I think it's a good take. I think it's definitely plausible. But I'm going to take a point away for the frame. But I like the conversation that it engaged us in. So I'm gonna give it a six.
0: Okay, yeah, I like the the way I see it is Gusev, you know, I've been a fan of Gusev all year. He let us down at the start. Uh, I just looked at his game log and randomly picked where it seems like he started getting hot. You look at December 18th until the end of the season. And Gusev had 21 points in 28 games. So actually, that might not be till the end of the season, actually. Sorry, let me go until literally... Uh, today, just to make sure. Oh, yeah, no, 30 points in 37 games. So, again, that's like a pacing for around 65, 70 points. I believe I'm doing that math off the top of my head. So, if he could do that, that does kind of put him in the conversation with a Svechnikov in, ter- in terms of total points. Obviously, in terms of fantasy value, it's more assist heavy. And I guess the concern with Gusev is he still couldn't get top power play time. And I wonder if that changes next year now that he's more adjusted to the league, now that Blake Coleman's gone, you know, taking that spot away from him. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to, uh, Brian, you gave it a six. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll go ahead and and also give it a six. Great take, I think, but Excellent. maybe like not wow. as maybe Elon not like a
2: harsh great take
0: six. Well, because <laughs> I agree with you, it might not be like too too spicy. Like maybe he might be if Vegas were to lay odds for this, maybe this is like you know three to one odds. Like I don't know if he if he's like a big long shot for for this metric.
1: I think you'd okay. get better. I think you'd get higher odds on this. For sure. I don't think that people are too on Nikita Gusev, especially, like, the Vegas betting public. Right.
0: Okay, you know what? Well, he used to be uh, a property of Vegas, so maybe they're more familiar with him. But, uh, okay, you've convinced me, Ben. I'm changing it to seven. That's Brian, sweet. what do you think? You want well, to come to seven say, with me? Well, if great
2: take, I think you should at least give it a seven. I'm okay. happy at six.
0: All right. Last chance to bring it to seven
2: no okay (laughs) So now is it is it yours yeah that was mine (laughs) there we go
1: i thought i could trick you at the end there
2: elon i love i love knowing now i want to go back and watch the video of (laughs) this he gave you the hard
1: sell at the end too
2: (laughs) yeah and you did have your (laughs) poker face on too i i like i i loved it i loved every minute of that thank you i'd like to see
0: though if i'm gonna give your take a higher than six six is pretty high for me so uh, i think i have a good chance at this
2: Well, the fact that you gave your own take a a six and then a seven, like you, you didn't decide before coming on the show how hot your own take was.
0: I uh, didn't, I don't necessarily claim to be the best at coming up with hot takes. I'm happy to get a a six out of 10 or a seven out of 10 take. I think that's a, that's a big win. Anyone who gets a score like that should be very proud of themselves. And I'm very proud of myself, but uh, I'm ready to go on to the non Elon
1: takes now. All right. We're going to stay in the Metro once again for my wonderful New York Rangers we have a take on Mika Zabanajad winning the, the Rocket Rashard Trophy and scoring twice as many goals as John Tavares. Elon, we'll start with you. okay I feel like for takes like these I just like
0: you need a moment right but obviously we just obviously like the the freshest thing in our minds right now with Jad is this crazy week he had to knock me out this is what everyone's thinking I'm sure to knock me out of the couple playoffs including the five goal game I think he had seven goals in three games overall on the week so okay so let's just take a look at this season I've got it up 41 goals in 57 games that's good for fifth currently in this season. So Ovechkin has 48, Pasternak, 48, Matthews, 47, Dreisaitl, 43, and Zabandajad 41. And those are all the people in the 40s. So first of all, he has to beat all of those guys for the first part of the take. He's got to win the Rocket Richard. He's got to beat Ovi which might be tough. Uh, Then he's going to double Tavares. So I'm just scrolling and scrolling here, trying to find... So Tavares has 26 goals right now in 63 games, compared to Tavares 41 and 57. So so it's actually, maybe we give like a couple more. Let's put him to 43 and we're comparing him to 26. So right now, if it was this season, repeated again, probably he's not going to double Tavares. He might come close, but... Uh, I don't. I don't know if that would happen. So, do we expect either Zabanajad to have a huge increase next year, or do we expect Tavares to go low? And also, to, are we expecting like Pasternak and Matthews and Ovechkin to all fall? Ah, uh, this is a lot. Like, I like the spiciness of the take, and I love what Zabanajad did this year, and I do think he's gonna. Once again, approach like 45, 50 goals like he was this year, especially if he could ever get Panarin on his line. I think almost the biggest uh, problem he's had this year, not even a problem, right? But it's like the, you would have thought that he wouldn't be able to do as well since he doesn't even have the best player on his line. I guess he had Chris Kreider, who's been having a really good year, and then Bucenevich for a lot of the time. Uh, but next year, you never know. Maybe if Capo Kako gets into the top six, maybe all of a sudden Kako and someone else can, like, you know, make up that second line. Uh, who's that other guy, Ben? You you must know as a Rangers fan the guy who was supposed to make an impact this year but ended up like not making the team from Russia
1: oh um uh Vitaly Kravtsov
0: yeah Kravtsov so who knows like I would love I feel like this take could become more plausible if Zabanajad and Panarin are playing on the top line as well as on the top power play so yeah it's very spicy I don't know how plausible it is but I love the spiciness of it I don't love the two parts to it, though. It's just like a general, <laughs> like, I don't like takes that are actually two completely separate takes and making me now have to think hard about two different things. Yeah. So I'm going to dock points for that just to be a jerk. Absolutely. A- so I'm going to throw a six. No, no, because I gave my own take a six. Uh, I'm going to give this a five.
1: <laughs> you gave so- your own take a seven, just to be clear. You, you, you went up at the very end after <laughs> and then tried to convince Brian to do the same. That was a negotiation technique. That was.
2: So is it actually a six?
0: You could give, you could put mine back to a six because I don't think it's especially hot, and I'm gonna put this one a five because it's like super hot. But I I just can't buy like either of
1: them. I, I guess. did forget I f- to mention, and I should have at the time, that in bumping yours up to a seven, you gave yourself the lead. So I think that you're in the right to to bump back down one.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: I already won the rule change bracket, like a couple rule
0: change bracket last year. And then I felt bad about that after. So I- I'm glad to not be the winner of my own thing that I judge. <laughs> that probably does. That's probably not a great look.
2: It's all rigged, is yeah. what Elon is saying. Um, so I gave it a five. You gave it a five. I, I really dislike the two <laughs> pieces too, because it's like, a, I got to look like up two separate things. First, I've got to find out, first off like it, the question was will Mika Zvanjed double John Tavares's goal totals and I'm just like, who is this person? What is their rooting interest? Who submitted this take? Do they were they like a former Isles fan who became a Rangers fan? So they hate John Tavares and love Zabanajad and just like want Zabanajad as their new Rangers boy to embarrass their old Islanders buddy John Tavares, like for for leaving and to make him sorry. Or is it the opposite? Are they a Rangers fan? Maybe they're a Rangers fan with like an Islanders partner or buddy who's like, okay. I, I'm going to say something great about Zibanejad and I'm going to tear apart Tavares in the process just for you. Um, So that that part I'm still wrapping my head around. But if I wanted to try and say if Zibanejad is going to double John Tavares, uh, absolutely not. That is not going to happen. And I would say that's totally implausible. Uh, so, you know, run the tape. Whoever made this take, copy that. Use it on me if it does happen. But when I look at Tavares' numbers, I see that his shooting percentage is at a career low five on five number right now, just under 9%. It's not a career low by a lot, but it's a lot lower than it has been, uh, for many of the past seven years. He started his career with three years between nine and 10%. Since then, he's been uh, between 11 and 16% every season up until uh, except one and this season right now. So, uh, I think John Tavares is going to score more goals next year than he did this year. And I think that there could be some good draft value. It found in him at the table next nice. year. Uh, as for as I've chatted a bit about this recently because he's been such a hot topic. Um, it's been so nice to see him score, but he is scoring at a rate that is not sustainable for Mika Zibanejad. I love his power play scoring. I love that he's added that to the mix. But his goal totals, um, you know, he's actually not significantly more dangerous this season than he has been uh, at a couple other times in his career. He's getting more minutes, he does have better line mates but he's also converting on a whole lot more shots than he normally does uh, He's converting at above 15% when his career high up until now was just under 14% and he's generally been like a 10 or 11% shooter, so I would expect that to regress and Zapanjad's numbers to not, uh, not keep pace next year with what they have been this year, so that also takes him out of the running for winning the Rocket Richard Trophy. Oh, so I need to rate it now. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, well, I'm definitely docking points for the weird t- double take. Uh, <laughs> so uh, if I were to give it a five, it's now a four.
1: All right. In defense of Mike, who de- who put this in, I'm sure the Tavares thing is like the less important thing. But as the the host or the moderator or whatever I am, I find it difficult not to include all of the text. And so I would advise folks to not include things that are not meant to be... Like extreme, like part of the judging process. (laughs) Or put that in brackets. So
0: we got to set hard and fast rules. We might be doing this a lot over the next few months. Cause we don't have anything else to do though. I, again, I said, I have some ideas, but uh, yeah, Brian, it is very interesting. I will like to see, because you know, you were just talking about Patrick line, how you thought you knew what his shooting percentage was going to be. Then all of a sudden it changed. And you never know, like zabanjad now getting like Panarin on the power play and potentially getting Panarin even strength. Like we might see a new version of him as he enters this new stage of his career. So I don't, I think it's not totally unreasonable that he contends for the rocket Richard trophy, uh, but uh, I guess I, I'll stick with my score. But yeah, if, I, if it was just the Rocket-Richard take, I might have given it a higher score. I might have gone up to seven or even eight. I do like that. I think it's like possible. But uh, there, there's a lot of competition. Like, don't forget Nathan McKinnon. Why doesn't McKinnon only have 35 goals with 318 shots? Uh, which is still actually a pretty good shooting percentage. 11 shooting percentage, but much lower than all the other people in like, the top 10. If McKinnon keeps shooting like that, it's hard to imagine that he shouldn't be able to score more goals than
1: Zabanajad. I think yeah, he's a I, bit of an Ovechkin, though. Sorry, Brian.
2: Oh, no. No, that's okay. Yeah, McKinnon is very much like a volume shooter, someone who can put seven or eight shots a game and not, not convert at a super high rate on them. It's still, like, a high enough rate that he, he... I agree, Ilani should be a contender. Also, um, Zibanejad, just to put another, like, frame on this, he... He's shot 20% in all situations this year. I should use actual numbers, compared to 12% over the last four years. So, Elon, I know you think maybe something magical and new has happened with Panarin, uh, but he only plays with Panarin on the power play. Uh, so, I just, well, like, yeah. I will... If the take were that Mika Zibanejad sets a career high in goals next season, that would have hit the sweet spot for me. This year he had 41 goals in 57 games. If he can top 41 goals next year, I think that's the question.
0: Okay. Well, that'll be fun to predict next year. He's going to get drafted potentially in the first round of fantasy drafts, especially if the paused season like ends how it does, how it is now. And our last memory of him is either winning our leagues or crushing souls and crushing hopes and dreams like he did to me. Then I could see him getting drafted really high. And I'd love to have him next year just so he can't hurt me again. Uh, so yeah, it'll be really fun to talk over the summer and actually come up with a projection.
1: All right, we'll move on. This one we'll start with, uh, sorry, who do we start that one with? Elon. We'll start with Brian. After another, I'm going to read this whole one because I think think it's good to read this paragraph. After another stellar season closing in on Gretzky's record, Alex Ovechkin signs a one-year deal with Dynamo Moscow in Russia. No, <laughs> he's always expressed interest in playing back home in his prime, and playing twenty-one, twenty-two there would also allow him to compete in the Olympics. Likely, he returns after that, but doing it mid-record attempt would shock many.
2: Oh wow, I'd love this take. I'm, I'm all in. This is a, this is a high rate. Like I don't. There's no numbers involved here, right? Which I like. I appreciate that, that I can just like react totally with my gut.
0: So the guy, the fantasy hockey robot that does a fantasy hockey podcast (laughs) likes to not have to talk about numbers. Is this what you're saying?
2: No, I'm saying, like, I can just listen to my gut. Like, I, I don't have this nagging robotic. Like, I don't have to do run all my numbers and look at everything. So, oh, Brian, like, I'm
0: so sorry. I've been making you do all these things you don't like to do over all these years. Sometimes
2: robots need a break, too. And th- <laughs>
0: Robots <this> is... <laughs> need love, too. You know that song? Dan Mangan. Yeah,
2: Dan Mangan. Yeah. Uh, they want okay. to
0: be loved by you. Beautiful. Thank
2: you. Um, That's your next flute solo whenever we we get there. Maybe at the end of this show. Okay. So Ovechkin, uh, so he has one more year left on his contract after this season. And then in 2021-22, he's an unrestricted free agent. I feel like a lot of this depends on how close to cup contention the Capitals are. Although Ovechkin, even at what will be age 36 could still be a, like a game breaker right he could still be someone who turns a team from a pretender into a contender yeah,
0: not could will he will still be someone
2: at 36 i'm just trying to take a look ahead and so the caps let's see who else is locked up to be there in 21 22 to, for this last cup run for ovechkin or one of his last uh kuznetsov backstrom Oshi, tom wilson eller Haglin, panic garnet hathaway john carlson uh and then a few like good defensemen um so the hmm. whole team
0: plus jacob Verana. i don't even think you said Verana.
2: well because he's not locked up he'll be a restricted free agent but i'm sure they'll make that work
0: obviously they're gonna sign him
2: so yeah wow i i love the take uh like it's a 10 out of 10 for spiciness in terms of plausibility I, i just see ovechkin i mean the the olympics angle is really really tantalizing right But Russia would not, come on, you're telling me that Russia would go ahead at the Olympics without Ovechkin? Like, he'll be, like, the grandfather of Russian hockey at that point. They'll make an exception for him, and that's why he's not going to go to Dynamo Moscow. Wait, what are you
0: talking about? Ovechkin didn't play in the last Olympics.
2: They'll make an exception this time.
0: Why? Why? Did they win in the last That's Olympics? That's the rule. That's not up to Russia. It's the Olympic rules that NHL players can't play in the Olympics. What are you talking about? Oh
2: right. Sorry, I was reading this as like a because the cage Russia for a while was like, come play in the KHL. Your chance will be better of making the Olympic team. Okay,
0: of course. Oh wait, you thought of this person's like saying, oh, and then he'll have a chance to maybe make the Olympic team. Alex Ovechkin, the best goal scorer in the in the world right now.
2: Yeah, I guess even in those years they did like take the six best NHLers like forwards and then they filled right. the bottom six with KHL let me tell okay. you something
0: okay let me c- before you give your score can I just chime in here I think that uh I don't know the guy I'm not friends with Alex, Alex Ovechkin. I'd like to be someone once asked me which celebrity would I like to hang out with the most and my answer was Alex Ovechkin that's currently my uh, number one I think he'd be a lot of fun uh I just think he's a competitor, right? He's not going to go play in some second yeah, rate. So does league. he want?
2: But does he want to compete in the Olympics? Who cares? Or?
0: The Olympics is like okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna. Here's my hot take. Olympics is overrated, and like who? Who cares? Well, okay, Olympics come on.
2: Olympics without NHLers, you go and win that, and there's like there's nothing in it. You haven't actually done anything.
0: Yeah, like, oh, the Olympic athletes from Russia won the Olympics. You think Ovechkin was like, oh my god, if only I could have had that. Like, Ovechkin won the NHL Stanley Cup. He partied all summer. He had a great time. I'm sure he wants to repeat that, you know? Like, uh, the NHL greats. Like, I don't know. I just think that why wouldn't he play in the most competitive league? Also, I just don't like the take, because it makes me sad to think that he leaves the NHL. So, uh, no. I'm giving it, by the way, I'm giving this a one, just because it makes me too mad. So, Brian, you could give it what you want, but it's not going to win anyways, because I've already Giving it a one.
2: Well, that's too bad because I really like the spiciness, and I think it is borderline plausible. Like it's just plausible enough to strike fear into anyone who owns, like, into the heart of anyone who owns Ovechkin and keeper League or Caps fans. So I'm actually, I'm gonna give this a seven.
0: Okay, I agree with you. I think it's a very good submission and a very good hot take that's also somewhat plausible, I guess, but it makes me too sad and angry. So I'm giving it a one. Well, that's get-
2: that but that's why you should be giving it much more than a one because it's making you sad and angry. That's what a good hot take does It makes you sad and angry. And then you're like, No, wait, like, that's crazy. And then it's like, Oh, my God. Oh, my yeah. God.
0: Well, but also it's not about numbers and this is a fantasy hockey podcast. So I, as the, as the co-host, I get to do what I want. So one, I don't know. (laughs) Final answer
2: i can't believe you final answered at one all right well, especially after admitting that the hot take i can't cha- to-
1: i
0: wish i could change my mind now but i can't because i said final answer that's the <laughs> rules
1: of the game brian you are able to bring one take into the final five okay uh so maybe this oh, will be right. that one we'll see this is up there uh we have won- how does this final ben how does this
0: final five thing work like why would we change why would i change my score
1: well i just think that at the end at the beginning and at the end you might be giving different scores and so oh i see maybe it- it's just a chance to give everything you or uh, uh, one more look through. It is a good question, though. How will you decide between the five? I guess you'll have to agree on three to to be gone i didn't really we'll think figure it out, like we'll, figure it out ti- <laughs>
0: we'll figure it out when the time we'll figure it out with the time brian and i at the end of the day i think are reasonable people and you could always break the tie ben oh, by the way feel free to chime in if you think one of us is saying something completely ridiculous like you happen to be also a renowned <laughs> hockey podcaster so i'd love to hear your opinion if you think that one of us is being a total moron uh but I- i'm ready f- but not about this take so <laughs> let's go to the next one i don't want to talk about ovechkin leaving the nhl it's even annoys me i was annoyed when he had to sit out that game because he didn't play in the all-star game like that was just like give me a break this guy is chasing a record like he doesn't want to go play in the freaking all-star game he's done it enough and then obviously now the nhl's on pause and it's like obviously there's a lot more problems yeah. in the world
2: this and is evidence this. of how hot this take is Elon is so wound up
1: yeah man he's I gone on water. record as saying that the olympics mean a lot to him too though is the thing like he's the one who's yeah. gone out of his way to talk about how much he was sad to not go to in 2018 so that's why i think and this he- one's very interesting yeah. And he's a noted Putin supporter as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one more in the forward section. We'll get back to a few others when we do our lightning round. But this is the last one, starting with Elon. Brady Kachuk will be a top 10 goal scorer next season. Elon, wow. your thoughts? Top 10 goal scorer? That's right. Okay,
0: where does he rank this season? Let's let's see here. This is the flaw in this podcast, <laughs> I guess, is that uh, we have no prep. But okay, sorting okay.
2: by goals
0: sorting by goals there's does Matthew he have, <laughs> does he
2: Brady, even have 20 goals this Brady year is ranked 77th in goal scoring with 21 goals in 71 games apparently Ottawa played like almost all their games this year okay uh, so 21 goals in 71 games
0: okay he has uh 259 shots which is good he has an 8.1 shooting percentage I like the idea that maybe he could approach like 30, 35. But of course, then this take is like complicated because now you're saying top 10. So just for the ease of this, uh, to be in the top 10 in goals this year one two three four five six seven eight nine ten right now Connor mcdavid is 10th he currently has 34 goals let's say he were to continue on this pace let's say get up to like 40 goals let's say maybe four let's say 40 goals is good for top 10 just to like i'm trying to simplify this yeah so brady kachuk right now has 71 goal or 21 goals so this take is that he's going to pretty much double his goal output next year Uh, So what would... This is one of the ones that I would like to hear the explanation, actually, Ben, if you have that available to you. I do not. Okay, I would imagine it's assuming that he's going to have someone better than like Colin White or whoever to play with like this year I guess he scored a lot of his goals I'd imagine assisted by Peugeot a little bit maybe from Colin White or Chris Tierney or whatever I know the sense of changing around their lines like obviously that would be oh they do have this guy who came up right at the end of the season that's Josh Norris Josh Norris so I would imagine maybe the hot taker is Brady
2: are buddies too like when he was acquired I'm pretty sure one of the narratives around it. He was he came in the Carlson trade. Was that he's friends with Brady Kachuk? Remember we made a really great tweet about yeah. it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, classic all timer of a tweet. We should probably pin that to our timeline now. I don't know what's currently there. Uh, so. I mean, I guess it's like feasible that he can do a lot better next year because he's going to be a year older. He's had a great season this year. Actually, I should point out Brady Kachuk in I think it was the Kakupful or in some other league. I was just looking at the Yahoo rank and Kachuk uh, for a bankers league was number two in in Kukupful rank or it was uh, the Fantasy Hockey Podcast League. One of them I saw. Uh, so like for a guy who contributes across the board, Cody's also very excited about this take. By the way, that's what that's what she's chiming in about.
2: Cody! Bonus just, point! I'm
0: talking about Brady Kachuk, but yeah, that's a bonus point because Cody's excited. Uh, she also wants to leave the bedroom, so I might have to get up in a second, but I'll wait for Brian to talk. I'm gonna keep going, even at uh, the dismay of my dog. Yeah, so... Okay, I want to just give a lot of credit. I know it has nothing to do with this. Like, Brady Kachuk might be one of the best. Like, maybe he should be a top round, a first round pick in fantasy leagues next year if it's a bangers league that counts pims and hits because he he takes shots, he does those things. He had, you know, a decent number of points this year. And like we said, 21 goals. He ended with a pace of, I guess, just to give it a a final note here, 44 points in 71 games is a 51 point pace. And you got to assume he's only got higher to go and hopefully he'll have better players to play with uh including maybe lafreniere who knows right <laughs> depending how this draft goes uh so i like the take but uh i don't know doubling seems a lot I-, I love the spiciness of it but i think it might be too spicy i would have almost liked to say like kachuk will get 40 goals as the take itself or even like 35 well,
2: essentially what it is so do you want to judge it on that yeah, I, I like it. I, I like the take. I'm being hard. I'm giving reasons why I don't like it,
0: but I do like the take. I think he's good, Brian. He only had an 8.1 shooting percentage this season. It's not like he had a high shooting percentage. Maybe next year he could have a Zabanchid like year. It's like it obviously could happen. Zabanchid just did it, and he could, all of a sudden if he has like a 20 percent shooting percentage, that's double the goals right there, and then you're done. And he's already in the top ten, so I like it. I think it's it's possible. Uh, so, uh, let, I think actually the hot take, if I were to modify this to a take that I think could be the winner of the hot takeoff is Brady Kachuk, when looking back next season, should have been drafted in the first round of a lot of leagues. Like that, that would be cool. Especially in bangers leagues. Cause that's, that's the case this year. Okay. Enough stalling. I hope that was all interesting. All this rambling, including my dog barking. I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it a seven. I want to give it an eight. I was so close to saying eight, but it's too many goals. I don't know. It's like, how like you double his goals? Come on.
2: I mean, that's definitely the knee-jerk reaction when you see that he had 21 goals in 71 games this year, 22 goals in 71 games last year, an identical number of assists in both seasons too. Brady Kachuk, crazy consistent, except for the fact that this year he saw almost three more minutes per night, uh, he saw more time on the power play, and uh, he took advantage of that by putting another 45 shots on goal and uh, you look at like the the number of shots he puts on it it's it's huge like he was 10th in the league in shot attempts, of course, he played a few more games than a lot of people, but he also played a few, like, fewer minutes than some of the people that he played more games in. So it sort of washes out. He was eighth in the league in shots on goal. This is all situations. So Brady Kachuk, a top 10 shot generator. Uh, so that's a reason to believe that he can be a top 10 scorer. That's one of the boxes you need to tick. And then one thing I really like about Kachuk, thinking about this take, is that like you said, Elon, his shooting percentage went down, went down 2%, but his expected goals went up by 25%. So he had about one expected goal per 60 minutes um, in his rookie season. This year, one and a quarter expected goals per 60 minutes. And that is a huge jump. Like usually if you see like, uh, I don't know, a 10th, that's a big jump in itself, like going from 0.7 to 0.8 expected goals. Uh, but this is twice that this is two and a half times that. So this that's a huge jump for Kachuk. And I think probably the, the big stumbling block for him scoring goals and actually like being able to to hit his uh, potential is that he has no one to play with, which you sort of hinted at Elon. Uh, I looked at while you asked about You said like, oh, maybe Peugeot assisted on a lot of his goals. Connor Brown, his most frequent assister, followed by Mm. Duclair... Colin White, and then Peugeot and Shabbat assisted on an equal number of his five-on-five goals. That's yeah, I guess
0: nuts. I was just thinking of the who was his centerman, but yeah, I guess it makes sense. Connor Brown was one of his most common line mates as the other winger on the line. By the way, can I just throw something out here? Uh, 303 hits for Brady Kachuk, ranks him second in the league in hits this year.
2: So, like, in a multi-cat league, I think, I think you're right, Elon. Like, this take could be that Brady Kachuk is a first, I don't know if it's a first round, but, like, you'll definitely get him later than you should until we see him
0: yeah Brian 106 PIMS ranks him third in the league in PIMS yeah so, he had the second most hits, the third most PIMS, and he potentially could be like a 30 plus goal scorer next year. So, I think if, if you're in a, especially like a categories league, I checked the like couple. He wasn't like in the top round. He was like, uh, I, I saw him around like 18 or something. But it was the Fantasy Hockey Podcast League, which is a categories league that had PIMS and hits as separate categories. That, yeah, he was ranked number two. So, pretty crazy. Uh, fun exercise for the reader to try to guess who's ranked number one. Or, Brian, do you want to guess who's ranked number one in this league?
2: uh where hits and pims are different categories
0: yeah i can tom, give you the tom wilson well no okay so i'm i'm, I'm just calculating it, it definitely wasn't tom Wilson.
1: i think it's pasternak
0: yeah it's david pasternak oh, yeah okay. the 48 I- goals and 47 assists and then like 38 power play points as a category then a ton of shots uh, i guess that was enough just the offense. the straight-up offense was enough right. to propel pasternak all the way to the top
2: misled me with the question Okay, anyway, so what's anyway, your... So I'm willing
0: Kachuk. to give this a higher... I wish this take was a little different. I wish this was that Brady Kachuk is going to be uh, worthy, like a top 10 fantasy player next year in Bangers Leagues. I would have uh, given well, I think that.
2: Well, I think you could argue that's you just said yourself. It's almost already true. It's a cold true.
0: Take. Yeah, it's Also, I was hits. also
2: sorting more stats while you were talking. And like, I, I mentioned how he ranked top 10 in shots. He, uh, Brady Kachuk, led the league, led the whole league. In all situations, expected goals. Nobody had more expected goals this year wow. than Brady Kachuk. Uh, he was top three in expected goals per 60 minutes, so if you account for time played. Um, and But that's less impressive, so I should have led with that. And then mentioned, led the league in all situations, expected goals. The second in the league in scoring chances in all situations, third in the league in in high danger chances by a mile he had 177 Anders Lee was second at 137 40 fewer high danger chances and only 20 players even had 100 uh, compared to Brady Kachuk's 177 okay and, I'm convinced uh, he also only scored two power play goals so like there's so many ways like a better centerman more power play goals and just like better shooting percentage there's so many ways that Brady Kachuk can be a 40 goal scorer next year eight
0: I'm changing my score to eight
2: uh, I, Is this Brian's take? Did he just I'm gonna, convince me? I'm going to go nine. I'm going nine.
0: Oh wow! Is this Brian? I hope this isn't Brian's take.
2: It's 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 plausible and it's spicy. Nobody's thinking of Kachuk as a top ten, top twenty. He was a 77th ranked scorer this year. Uh, no one's thinking of him that way. But he he's going to find his way into the top ten. So I uh, I'm going to give it a nine. Elon, you don't want to join me at nine?
0: I'm good at eight. I think Last it's yours. Last chance.
1: Oh, Join no, me at yours. nine. <laughs> oh no! What have I done? Yes, this one is Brian's take. He is now by far <laughs> in the lead, uh, oh, yeah. ahead of Elon's take and the Oliver Bjorkstrand top ten in scoring. Those are our top three through the forwards division. Let's jump right into D-men. This is a take that I think Brian would have guessed was Elon's if uh, if he if we hadn't already identified Elon so far. If you want next season's best defenseman in fantasy, look to draft Vegas D-man Shea Theodore. I'm Ooh. projecting Theodore for 70 points, 250 plus shots on goals, 30 power play points, and 100 blocks. Uh, we'll start with Brian. Can I say something first? Yes, you may.
2: I, I, is it is it related to your regret about you you too, you cluing in too late to give my take <laughs> a low score?
0: Uh, I was dumb there. I wasn't even thinking about it until it was too late. But I just want to say that we did actually say that there's going to be a big prize for the winner (laughs) of the hot takeoff, which is we're going to give a free ad read of any like content you want either promoting your business or whatever or just like trash talking your league mates or saying a love note to your wife or or husband but uh uh, brian your take isn't eligible right so if yours ends up having the highest score (laughs) then obviously the prize will go to the second place right
2: i never get to say what i want on the show this would have been my one chance
0: Give, a, give your love note right now. Say a poem. Uh,
2: no, well, I need to win first. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say a poem, a love poem to Shea Theodore, who, Ben, it's funny you said that this could, I, I might have thought this was Elon's take. This was almost my take. I played, like, when I was coming up with my take without having done, like, put a whole lot of thought into it. It was going to be Shea Theodore related, and it was going to be that he'll be, like, a top three or top five defenseman. Uh, this says he will be the number one fantasy defenseman.
1: It's yes. actually conflicting in the email. The first sentence is, if you want next season's best defenseman, and then the last sentence says, he will finish as a top three defenseman. So I just went with the spicier take at the start. Okay.
2: Okay. Um, I am very into this. Shea Theodore, 34 points in his last 37 games, and this came... After we preached patience on him through his first 34 games, which were, uh, for anyone who owned him in those 34 games, they were really, really hard to watch for him. Remember at the start of the season, too, it was like, oh, is he going to be on the top power play? And then, like, he mostly was and then when Nate Schmidt was coming back it's like oh no he hasn't done anything on the power play Nate Schmidt is gonna but it never happened he got to hold his power play deployment uh, even though Shea Theodore had just 12 points in his first 34 games before going wild during those cold games though we loved him and we were trying to encourage people to buy low on him he was still averaging three shots per game still getting that top power play time and he continued doing all of that over the next uh, several games, uh, he actually upped his shot production a little, and then uh, he converted on 8% of his shots compared to 3% during the cold start to the season. He also had 11 power play points compared to the five power play points uh, that he put up during the cold days. So look, there are a lot of reasons to love Shea Theodore. Seeing five and six shot games is one of them. Seeing him play on a stacked Vegas power play with Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Jonathan Marchessault, and then, like, whoever else, Stasny, uh, Carlson, Riley Smith. There are a lot of reasons to love Shea Theodore. Um, and, like, I, I'm in love with his shot totals, too. So he plays huge minutes, puts up huge shots, gets huge points. All of those tick the box. So I really like this take. I think even though if I thought of it already myself, I don't know if that makes it more or less hot because it was like, does that make it predictable? I don't know. I was trying to think of a hot take. So it still counts as hot. I'm going to give it a solid seven and I might raise it after I listen to Elon's take.
0: Yeah. Well, I just like brought up again, just like the player I talked about before, I just brought up theodore's like when did his hot streak start it turns out like december 13th he got on fire and he never slowed down after that back on december 13th which is my wife's birthday by the way <laughs> uh he got two assists against dallas he followed it up with three assists against vancouver then he had a goal in the next game and an assist and the goals we had a five game point streak to get everything going and then like from december 13th to the end of the season he ended up with 34 points in 37 games uh that made him second in the league for defensemen do you want to take a guess who was number one in that time span
2: in what category points oh uh john carlson
0: no surprisingly no john carlson kind of slowed down just in time for my fantasy playoffs in the (laughs) Cupful. uh no roman yosey 39 points in 39 games for yosey and uh ben i feel like maybe you're the best equipped to guess who was third in that time span tda yeah, Tony D'Angelo, nice. number three. Then John Carlson, number four, with thirty points. D'Angelo had thirty-one, and then uh, number five is uh, actually tied with John Carlson. Ryan Suter. Came out of nowhere. He was dropped at one point in Tier 1 Sweden at the like couple, and I added him. And then, like, he had a couple nothing games, and I dropped him right before this great run. So that's obviously a big regret, and it'll be fun over the summer to discuss if Ryan Suter could have another great season, just like he ended this one. Minnesota, just in general, went on fire at the end of the year. And now I'm totally off track with Kevin Fiala. Holy cow. I'm surprised we don't have a hot take about him coming up, like, top 10 in league scoring, just like Oliver Bjorkstrand. Okay, Shea Theodore... So what, are I, what am I judging here? He's going to be the top defenseman in fantasy next year? Yes. I mean, I just feel like, uh, I don't know how hot it is considering he's number two over this stretch anyways. Uh, so he's already kind of up there, though. I guess really, to me, the take is that he's going to be better than Roman Yoshi, And I just don't know a reason why we should expect that to happen. Because yoshi has been awesome. Plus, Yossi get has more shots in that span. Lower shooting percentage. So maybe Yoshi even ends up with more goals. Uh I think Yosi also blocks more, if uh, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm seeing here, yeah, Roman Yozzi yeah, this season up to, uh, so obviously it depends what kind of league you're in and what categories you're counting, but 108 blocks so far for Roman Yosi this season, and yeah. Shea Theodore... Has only...
2: 69. His Shae Theodore's peripherals, as you're saying, are, like, super underwhelming. He only has 20 hits this season in 71 games. So you're really just looking to milk as much as you can out of the shots and points and power play points. Uh, Also, no PIMs. So, uh, Elon, like, you're saying that... There are players who score similarly enough to him, but fill more categories. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't think he's gonna be the top defender. I feel like what he's done over this stretch. That's, like, the best we can hope for. If he could keep that up for all next season and be, like, a 70-point defense, that would be amazing. And I still wonder if Roman Yozzi would be ahead of him. I think it's a good take. I don't even know if it's especially hot. Like I said, just because uh, Shea Theodore's kind of already broke. Like he's someone we expected to break out at some point. Now he kind of has. This would have been a really good hot take last year. I wonder what score we would have given at this time last year. And then we would have looked dumb if we would have not given it a high score. I think it's a solid take, but I'm going to go with a five because I'm not sure how hot it is. And also, I'm not sure how realistic it is, which maybe is, like, uh, contradicting, but- but uh, that's kind of where I'm landing here.
1: Awesome. Let's move on. We will mention a player who Elon just brought up, and we have this is a dual take here. We have two takes for this single player. First of all, Tony D'Angelo will spend all of next season on Power Play 1 and be a top four fantasy defenseman next year in the Cucupful. And Tony D'Angelo will remain a New York Ranger, and though he won't win, will be in the top five for the Norris Trophy. Uh, let's start with Elon.
0: Okay. So the first one is the dreaded double take where we have to look at two things. So number one is he's going to stay on the top power play all season. I think
1: that the main part is the second part, I think, right? That yeah. he'll be a top four defenseman in the Cupful, And as a, I think the, will be on the top power play is kind of a, you know, a part of that, right?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. He would have to be. Okay. So let's just say, is he going to be top four in Cupful? Top four, I almost feel like top five is a more... You could have said that and it would sound more interesting, even though top four is harder than top five. Almost like when you say top four, I almost feel like there's like three players this person is specifically trying to talk about (laughs) that he's not going to be able to pass. Uh, So let's take a look right now. I'm going to bring it up. The top, uh, according to rank in the Cupful. or I guess I could just go like average fantasy points per game. So season average, here we go, in Sweden, which is the same scoring as all the rest of Cuckupful. And we got average fantasy points. Wait, so number one is Cameron Gauntz, who played three games for Tampa Bay, and I guess he had a really good three games. I've Never even heard of this guy, but looks like he had a really good season. Oh, one goal and three assists in three games for Cameron Gauntz. So he's probably going to be number one next year. I kid. Okay, so then we got Yosi. <laughs>
2: what are you selling on here? Let's
0: go. I'm having fun. Okay. So we got, I'm telling you the people who are ahead of Shay, of, uh, Tony D'Angelo in average points per game this season. There's actually quite a few. There's Roman Yozy, John Carlson, Dougie Hamilton. Let's not forget about him. Uh, LaTang, Petrangelo, Hedman, Ryan Ellis, Brent Burns, Shay Weber. So yeah, I guess at the start of the season, D'Angelo wasn't doing much. So maybe if I just sorted by like the last few months, he'd be a lot higher. Uh, but I think that's pretty high. Like I think, kind of like with Theodore, but I'm even like not as into D'Angelo, even though I like him a lot. Um, I feel like what we got this year is like probably the best we can hope for and maybe he can keep it up and that would be amazing. But even that, I don't know if he's going to get into the top four and beat Yosi and Carlson and Dougie Hamilton and Victor Hedman and like Brent Burns, Oscar Kleffbaum. Plus we've got Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes coming up who might even be even better next year than they were before. Uh, So... I don't know. I don't think so. I like the hotness, but uh, I'm going to go with a four.
2: Okay. I think uh, I'm close to you on it, Elon. Uh, Mostly because, I mean, we talked about Tony D'Angelo on one of our last shows before the season was suspended. And it was like, yeah, he's having a great season. And yeah, he's for real, but he's probably not quite this for real. There's a lot of goal scoring happening on the Rangers right now. I'm not sure it's all going to carry through, especially from guys like Zibanejad, who are shooting 20%, which is 8% higher than their career average, or D'Angelo, who has 15 goals on 150 shots, which is like criminal for a defenseman. That's a 10% conversion rate, which is uh, like in the upper echelons of defensive shooting percentages. So I found it really unlikely that it that is going to carry over to next season. And my take at the time when we last talked about him was that D'Angelo is not going to have this season again. He's still going to be good, still going to be fantasy relevant, but he's not going to have quite this much success um, next season. So I don't think he's a top four fantasy defenseman. Right now he ranks fourth in the league in points by a defenseman tied with Quinn Hughes, but... Uh, That was in a really good season where he probably overperformed a little. So I don't see him hitting that again. And was there another piece of the take, Ben, that I need to
1: consider here? Uh, The main other thing is that there are two takes here. The second one is that he'll finish top five in Norris voting.
2: Oh, uh, I mean, that sounds strange to me is he known for his like am i out of the loop is he known for his defensive okay he's not like he's known to be defensively and personally irresponsible (laughs) uh which is why he's had such a hard time sticking on a team in the league uh which i guess should i be commenting on that angle too didn't wasn't part of it that he'll still be in new york next year
1: yeah i i do think that sorry yes that is part of it
2: okay Uh, what were you gonna say though you you have a voice here ben
1: I don't really, but I mean, he is likely to stay. That's a big part of why they uh, um, they made a move right before the. Oh, they they shipped out Brady Shea, and it's very likely that that's to keep Tony D'Angelo around. Got it. Hmm. I'll give that a low
0: score. the 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 Norris Trophy one doesn't seem especially like me. That's
2: super implausible.
0: Yeah, especially with everything Brian said about the points probably going away. And usually, like, the only way a defenseman who's not known for being really good defensively is able to get some votes is if they, like, have an insane, season. you know, Eric Carlson, 82 points. You know, he was also, like, good because he was, like, drove play and all of that. And I don't want to get it. I think he should have won the Norris that year that Drew Doughty won. But that's a whole other conversation. Uh, yeah, I think that one I'm going to give a two. And then I'm going to give the other one, what was it, a five. So, Brian, wh- wh- where are
1: you at? You gave that a four, Elon. Sorry. Did you want to revise to a five or stick with four? I'll uh, go four.
2: okay so the one about D'Angelo moving is like interesting because the Rangers if they do let him go they have Adam Fox they have Jacob Truba both these guys can run a power play so like they don't need him if he wants to make unreasonable demands although they're arbitration eligible so usually that at least gets sorted out for another year um so I think just for that reason he'll still be on the Rangers so I'll give that one a two and then the one about him being Norris slash top four material uh i don't you know it's just like this advantage ad thing where it's like you know how awesome he's been this year next season he's gonna be awesomer uh, for some reason that doesn't register as such a hot take for me so uh i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a four i'm gonna join elon
1: okay just to be clear this is inverse right you have elon has a two on uh on that one Morris. and a four on the other and you, okay. you now have a two on that and a four on this one.
2: Brian, just well, join me. Doesn't matter. Okay, go. I'm going to join Elon because Ben, that's super vague for you to say that one and the other. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on.
1: <laughs> ben, what's currently winning aside from Brian's Brady Kachuk tape? Yes, I will. Uh, I'll update that. And in addition, I will say that you have given Lewis, my co-host on Short Shift, the lowest <laughs> score. <laughs> <laughs> with his uh, Tony D'Angelo will spend all of next season on PP1 and be a top four fantasy defenseman. Shouts out to Lewis. Um, we miss you, buddy. But yes, he is currently the lowest score in the... Uh, tied, I guess, with this other D'Angelo take. Um, uh, number one right now is the Brady Kachuk take. It is a 17 out of 20. And then we have three takes tied at 12. Ooh. The first one is Oliver Bjorkstrand will be top 10 in scoring. The second one is Nikita Gusev will lead all second or first year players in points. And the third is uh, Shea Theodore, top defenseman in fantasy. Cool.
0: Okay, so yeah, we'll see if someone could beat, I guess, Bjorkstrand or Shea Theodore with 12 out of 20 to uh, jump ahead as a non-podcast host. Obviously, we're going to vote that we like our our own takes. Uh, Okay, Uh, ready for the next one. You voted,
2: come on, don't downplay mine.
1: It was a great take, no. You didn't know
2: it was my take. Uh, yeah, know. we have one more
1: in the defensive category. Quinn Hughes will lead all defensemen in scoring next season. Uh, we'll start with Brian.
2: So I think, like the first, like my Im- my immediate thought is, how hot is like how unlikely. Is this that Quinn Hughes? Right now, uh, he sits tied with Tony D'Angelo at fourth amongst defensive scoring behind Carlson, Yozie, and Hedman. So they're the guys that Quinn Hughes needs to beat. And I know, I know, every K- Kale McCarston and Avalanche fan is just shouting. Quinn Hughes played eleven more games than Kale McCar. So yes, acknowledged, and McCar only had three fewer points. So I'm gonna put McCar into that group of players that Quinn Hughes needs to beat. I think it's doable. Right? He's got that that power play that was missing Brock Besser for a while, so maybe there were some points left on the table while Besser was out and also buried on the third line even when he was healthy. Um, so plausibility for me. This is highly plausible. Is it so spicy, though, to say that the fourth-ranked defenseman is going to be the top-ranked defenseman? I mean, I guess all ranks aren't equal. He's 22 points behind John Carlson scoring this year. Um And he doesn't take as many shots uh, as most of the high-scoring defensemen. Like, he's actually really low in shot-taking. Like, he and Kale McCarr both, uh, just over 120 shots, whereas everybody else uh, in the top 10, except for Ryan Suter, is around 150 or over 200. So I don't know that Quinn Hughes has the goal-scoring potential to take him all the way to the top. I'm going to give this one, uh, I'm going to start at a a six-and-a-half. And then I'll listen to Elon.
0: Yeah, I like the take. So remember how I had... Brian was talking about how he was fourth overall on the season... Uh, and, you know, maybe Kale McCarr should be ahead if you go uh, points per game. Uh, if I already had it up for Shea Theodore's awesome run since December 13th. Uh, happy birthday, Dina, belated. Uh, but Quinn Hughes was right there behind Ryan Souter, actually, in that uh, span over these last, I guess it's 37 games. Quinn Hughes had 29 points to rank him sixth for a defenseman over these past couple of months. Uh, so, yeah, he's already kind of right there. But still, I think it's a hot take because I don't think anyone is going to be projecting him to lead defenseman in points. So I'm not going to dock this person for hotness, because I think it is a hot take. I I think that is, we were just talking about Shea Theodore, and I think a lot of people might be more thinking about Shea Theodore if they're outside of Vancouver, but I think Q's Hughes- as like, how old is this guy? Like, I think this year he was like twenty or something. Or uh, I, I got this. Oh yeah, he's twenty now. He's gonna be like twenty one next year. Like, he could still take a he could still take a huge step forward. Uh, I'd love to see what happens with the Canucks. Obviously, we have to see like if Tyler Toffoli sticks. But either way, this is like J T. Miller thing has obviously gone very well. Pedersen's gonna be a year older. Brock Besser, hopefully healthy and a year older and still better. I think these people are still on the upswing of their career. Uh, so I think this is like pretty plausible, and I think it's like reasonably hot. So I really like this take, and I'm gonna give it an eight.
2: Ooh. Okay, eight. so I'm gonna I'm gonna bump up. I was thinking seven, but I wasn't sure if it was too high. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bump up to seven, and you'll stay at eight.
0: So Ben, what what do you think? Is this is this? something you were expecting to be among the leaders of hot takes at this point of the, of the podcast.
1: Uh, not really, but I, it's not shocking to me. It is a hot take for sure. I will shout out Quinn Hughes. We did a draft, um, on the Patreon only Facebook page earlier this week. I got Quinn Hughes super late, I think because he scored so few goals and, uh, And it was sorted by goals. And I think his 25 power play points in such a late round really helped boost my total. Uh, So shouts out Quinn Hughes. I'm I'm a big fan of his work. Yeah, we should definitely do another one of
0: those soon. So stay tuned in the Facebook group for another uh, draft where we determine the winner in real time. And good job, Ben, for winning that one. That was a lot of fun. Okay, so there we go. So far. So whose take is this, by the way? The Quinn Hughes that potentially uh, is going to win the free uh, ad? Mike
1: Bogdan. He had a couple of takes. So we mentioned one of his takes earlier. He did the, which one was it? He had the Mika Zibanejad winning the Rocket Rashard trophy, which, you know what? I thought you guys were a little too low on as well. Oh, okay.
0: Well, this one we've made up for it. Mikey B, so far
1: in the lead for who's going to get the ad for next week. Yeah, that's right. Um, We will hop right into the goalies category then. Um, And this one comes... uh, Yeah, sorry. Excuse me. We'll jump right into the goalies section. First take. Most teams are going to move to a 1A, 1B goalie situation, drastically changing the value of goalies in fantasy as a whole. We'll start with Elon.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like it seems like this is already happening in a lot of teams. Like, yeah, I, I wonder about the hotness of this take. Like, let's go through the league really quickly. Like, Anaheim, you know, rolled John Gibson for the most part, and that didn't work. So, I could definitely see them maybe trying to do something different if they had. Obviously, the problem is some teams like might want to do that, but just don't have the personnel Hang available. Yeah, Elon,
2: are you about to go like A to? v or w I,
0: I just want to give a small random sampling if, okay. if i can okay. okay but i'm looking here like arizona right they went pretty much 50 50 <laughs> when they had the ability boston went 50 50 buffalo this
2: doesn't sound
0: random okay not random i'm gonna do a sampling i'm not gonna go through just let me a sampling
2: like, means just a portion
0: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna do all 31 now to punish you. Uh, Linus Allmark, maybe Calgary. Definitely, we're go- we're going back and forth. And they had the chance. Carolina is a team that could go back and forth. Anyways, you get the gist. That's what I was gonna do, Brian. I was gonna say you get the gist. Chicago <laughs> was trying to do 50 50, but then they, I guess, traded Robin Leonard because he was gonna be a UFA. So yeah, I just don't think this is hot. Colorado, by the way, Grubauer and Franzoes for sure. So you know, as I look at the teams in the list, I see more teams that I think have already tried to switch to being one A one B and not have a volume starter. I think it makes a lot of sense. I feel like Boston making it far last year when they seems like purposely didn't give Tuka Rask a lot of ice time and a lot of games during the season. Uh, I think that that's just a good lesson. And like, if you can get two good goalies, why run one of them to the ground and then also expect them to perform well in the playoffs well why don't you
2: ask the the coaching and management teams of the tampa bay lightning and toronto maple Leafs that exact question
0: well i think it's a little different right first of all toronto had michael hutchinson as their backup and now they finally did get jack campbell and i would like to have seen how that would have shaken out right because anderson kept on struggling and i think campbell was someone that if we would have seen this happen earlier i think they could have gone not like 50 50 but you know like a 60 40 like not but like the leafs needed to win games michael hutchinson was a guaranteed loss every single game he played and vancouver or uh tampa bay i guess didn't have as much faith in macklehenny as maybe they should have i don't know uh overall obviously i'm not saying every team will but anyways i don't think it's a hot take i think that we're already i think it's an interesting take and i think it's a true take so i'm gonna give it like a high score for that but i'm only gonna give it a low score for hotness it's not spicy it's not exciting me so i'm gonna give it a
2: four okay yeah, I'm landing in the same way just because I, I feel like it's a little late. If we heard this last season, it still might have been a little late. It, we've been on this road to tandems for a long time. There aren't so many workhorse goalies left in the NHL. Uh, what I should have done while you were talking, Elon, but I accidentally closed all the taps, uh, was to see who, which goalies played the most this season. Um, like I already named, obviously, you've got Vasilevsky, you've got Anderson, Uh, I guess Bishop is probably up there, too. I've I've got it. Not not Bishop, by the way.
0: Bishop is is pretty far down because Hudobin got a good number of games. Well, because Bishop was injured. Well, yeah. No, no. But even still, like even when Bishop was healthy, Dallas is pretty much going back and forth. Yeah. Here are the volume guys this season. Yeah, you're right. There's not that many uh, leading the way and going down. Connor Hellebuck. Carey Price, Vasilevsky, Frederick Anderson, John Gibson, then already now we're at Jordan Binnington, who's already down at only 50 games so far, and Jake Allen was, you know, at first I guess they were afraid of Jake Allen, they, and then we've got Bobrovsky, and then yeah, all of a sudden we're getting into Fleury, Holtby, Riddick, Mackenzie Blackwood, Bernier, Varlamov, guys who we think of as like, oh, this guy's not guaranteed to get all the games. So yeah, there's, there weren't that many this year.
2: And just to go back in time, uh, I'm looking at 2017, there were 13 goalies who played 60 games or more. I don't think we were going to see more than seven of those tops this year. So we're seeing this trend for a while now. And the way I see it is that it, it's going to continue. I, I don't know if any of the workhorses from this year are going to be eliminated. Elon, I know you're low on John Gibson and I'm still high, but you like at Hellebuck. Why wouldn't the the... The, the Jets keep doing what they're doing with him. Carrie Price, no alternatives in Montreal. Anderson, maybe he loses a bit of his workload. Vasilevsky isn't gonna lose any. Gibson, I don't think will lose any. Bennington might lose some because Jake Allen was a stud. Bobrovsky will probably stay the same. Flurry, and then you get to Flurry. So those are the seven who played 50 or more in the shortened season. And then you get to guys like Flurry and Holtby and Riddick who uh, probably won't see the share of games next year that they had this year because of what they did with the share of games they had this year. Then uh, you look for other guys like Mackenzie Blackwood who might sort of jump up into the workhorse category and Carter Hart. <laughs> and Jacob Unless Markston Corey was... Schneider,
0: Brian, uh, continues what he did for like the last three games <laughs> yeah, where I, he showed I'm, he might have something.
2: I'm so glad we have another strong finish from Corey Schneider to just dream of what that might mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see maybe 10 starters next year 10 teams that are volume tops like that's tops um aside from that it's going to be a lot of timeshares in the league a lot of sort of 50 30 splits like 50 30 games not percent because i know that doesn't add up to 100 so i'm gonna give this take overall a five just because it's true but it's also uh, a couple years too late
0: Brian, here, can I drop a hot take on you? Tell, me, Give me a score here. This could be, yeah. see if I could beat my Gusev one. I think Carter Hart is going to lead goalies in games played next year.
2: Oh, I like it. That's a good hot take. It's Boom. too bad you didn't make that your actual I should one.
0: have made it. He, Carter Hart, number one most valuable goalie in fantasy next year. That's my hot take.
2: Uh, well, that's that's a little too hot. because Philly
0: looking good. Philly is having a great season. They Carter Hart's going to be a year older. Uh, Philly, you know, their young players are getting older. And Giroux, I don't think, is done yet. And Voracek, I, I, there you go.
2: My hot goalie take is Robin Lehner is the most uh, valuable goalie in fantasy well, next Well, we have year. to see
0: where he goes. I think it's definitely possible if he lands in the right spot. I don't know where that spot is. Maybe he we'll stays see. in Vegas. How about uh, Ilya Samsonov, NZP? Because if Braden... <laughs> well... <laughs> Think of it in Washington. If uh, Holpe's gone, oh, Samsonov might end up being a big volume guy. Depends who else totally. they get, obviously.
1: Totally. Okay.
0: Anyways, uh, yeah, fun talking about
1: goalies because no one knows. Well, let's talk about a goalie you just mentioned, Elon. The next take, Carter Hart will be a top five goalie next year. <laughs> oh, we'll start with Elon.
0: What is this? My take? Okay, no, I said it's number one. So all of, all of a sudden, now this person loses hotness just because I already blew them out of the way out of the water <laughs> by going with a hotter take. But no, I agree. I think there's all signs point. Wasn't there something crazy about Carter Hart's splits this year? I'm going to bring this up. Uh, I can while... talk while you do. Okay, you talk about Carter Hart for a second.
2: So, Carter Hart finished the year with a 914 save percentage. And a lot of that was because he turned it on in the new year. Uh, I'm just looking to January 8th which is when this crazy Philly run started. Uh, Carter Hart went into this game against Washington on a personal, uh, uh, with Philly having lost four games in a row. Uh, and then Carter Hart exploded along with Philly, went 11-3 and in his next 14 decisions with a 929 C percentage. So if he can take that stretch and put it into a full season, which, i feel like the the potential is there right remember this guy is so young he's turning 22 years old this summer there's room for him to grow every year is a learning opportunity for him uh sorry calgary philadelphia is getting better they were one of the most dangerous teams in the league over the last i don't know i'd say two months even he had a crazy quality start percentage over 60 percent quality starts I love what Carter Hart did this year. And I think the take, the problem with this take is just it isn't spicy enough. There aren't a lot of goalies you can rely on. I'm trying to see like who might be better, like who this year is better than what I think Carter Hart can do next year. All I see is Connor Hallebuck. And then I guess Vasilevsky throw him in there too. But in terms of a mix of wins and save percentage, uh, there is not a lot of competition uh, for Carter Hart to beat out to be the number one guy. I guess you could also say Jacob Markstrom, though we don't know exactly how Vancouver's going to manage that
0: and Igor Shostyorkin I guess it would be course. cool to see what he could do. Uh the thing with goalie takes yeah it's hard to give any goalie takes such a high score just cuz a- anything you say could end up turning out to be true you know so it's like how much credit do you really get uh what I wanted to say about his splits uh at home Carter Hart is 23-2 and two with a 9.43 save percentage. On the road, he's 4-10-1 with an 8.57 save percentage. So anyone who kind of, like, clued in on this and, like, only played him in his home games and sat him on their away games got, like, even better results from him on their fantasy teams. Brian, do you buy into this at all? Like, is this something that you could expect? Is this, like, a real thing or is it just, like, luck? Like, it seems like a pretty big stretch and two completely different goalies. One, like, amazing goalie and one absolutely terrible goalie.
2: Uh I mean I think what I'd want to know is like how many power play Right you want to look into
0: the underlying whatever anyway
2: Yeah
0: <laughs> All that to say I agree with you Brian I don't think that it's hot enough uh, so I'm going to I agree that he probably will be a top five. Or I think he has just as good a chance as any of the, you know, higher
2: end goalies to
0: land in the top five. So I who gave a like,
2: goalie that had like a very some there was a goalie recently who had a very similar home away split. I feel like was it Pecorine? I'm trying to see like they were it was Jacqueline Hyde home and on the road. It was not Pecorine. If anyone can remember uh, at us at Keeping Carlson.
0: Yeah, maybe I'll find it by the end of the show. Anyways, I don't want to give this one a high score just because I think it's like not even so hot. This person should have said number one, and they would have gotten a high score. So you played yourself, uh, and and I'm only giving it a of three.
2: I'm gonna give it a five just for at least pointing out that Carter Hart is worth paying attention to. Yeah, but yeah, not uh, not they didn't say how much uh, they didn't get right the amount of attention we need to pay to Carter Hart. So I wonder where he's gonna go in drafts.
0: I mean, I'm not going to draft any goalie in the first, like, five rounds or whatever... But definitely if Carter Hart somehow is still sticking around when I'm seeing all the starting goalies starting to disappear, I would grab him. But he'll probably go too high for me, so I won't get him. Which is fine, because you can't predict it. And I'd rather just get, like i said a million times, I'd rather get my sure thing skaters and then just hope the goalie I land on ends up hitting later on in the draft. But if I was just deciding that I needed to pick a goalie high, I could see myself picking him in the first couple of rounds. Like I don't see why you can't expect him to be one of the top guys.
2: Can I also just say, Elon, I think we miscalibrated our score Scoring. like i was ready to start at a six which i felt like was the reasonable but now like every take is getting between three and six for the most part like very few have scores that are respectable and i feel like that's wrong we're grading on a on too ch- too hard a curve no i mean hey i need to be impressed i gave that quinn hughes one a good score i gave it an eight Yeah, you gave one of them all right i gave your i got i gave
0: the brady kachuk one a nine or an yeah. eight
2: well yeah. because it was awesome
0: yeah, so, okay, so what, do you want to me to just straight, be a... You,
2: you gave it a nine, right, the Brady Kachuk one?
0: I forget, Ben will say, but... Uh... Well, you
2: said a nine, so it must have been a nine.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm not like an easy A type of prof here. You gotta really work hard it to get eight. a high school. Elon gave it an eight.
2: So, okay. But he just said nine, so that...
0: I was misremembering. Okay, so, uh, ben, Brian, so we're done with this one? Is that it for goalies?
1: No, we have two more goalie ones. Alright, let's do it. All right. This one kind of got alluded to earlier, actually. I think it's a very interesting take. Jake Al and actually shouts out to the two uh the pals of the pod for our previous two. We had Brandon Weeby and uh, Norm Rothwell, who participated in that draft we mentioned. Uh hello to you both, gentlemen. Uh this next Hello, one... by the way, it's uh Brandon Weeb. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> dot com. Yes, shouts out Brandon Weeb. Uh Jake Allen. This is not from Brandon, by the way. This is a, a new take. Jake Allen will start more games than Jordan Binnington next season. We'll start Ooh. with Elon. I like it. That's spicy. Yeah, that's a good take. Picante.
0: Yeah, I like it because why not? Right? Who who had better numbers this year? Bennington ends the year with a nine twelve save percentage and Jake Allen ends the year. I'm just bringing it up now. With uh 9.27 save percentage, obviously we're talking double the games, and maybe Allen got easier games. Like we, you know, d- the coach might want to put Binnington in for the harder opponents. Uh, but it was double anyways this year. So we're talking 50 versus 24. The thing is, it's the same coach, and they're the same goalies. And this year, even though Binnington didn't do that well compared to Allen, that still turned out to be the split, and it didn't even change. Like I remember there were times, Brian, on the podcast where we were like, is it time for people to rush and grab Jake Allen? Because it seems like, according to the numbers, he should start getting more starts. But then it kind of just didn't happen. Like, Binnington still ended up getting, like, three games in a row. I'm seeing, like, his game log most recently. Three games in a row, then a day off. Three games in a row, game off, then two off, one off. So maybe something was just about to start happening. Uh, But that's a small sample size. I like it. It's a really hot take. More games... I don't know, if you would have even said Tide, I think it's more plausible. I think it's possible. I like it. No, I don't, I don't want to beat on I think it's, like, unlikely, but possible, which I guess is what we're going for here. So I really like it. I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it a seven or eight brian i'm gonna let you help me decide i'm giving it a seven or eight
2: i was actually right between seven and eight too i I like the take a lot the one thing not going for it is that whenever we see like i feel like one thing we know about jake allen is that the more he plays the worse he is right he's always (laughs) been best in timeshares so for him to actually play enough to see more starts than Jordan Bennington means that he's probably going to blow it along the way and not be able to justify those starts. So that would be the reason that I, I feel like this take won't come true. And maybe that's why I'll give it a 7. But it's a really... Really good take. And it just shows, like, Jordan Binnington, as a keeper candidate, uh, like, last year after winning the Cup, was soaring so high, right? With, uh, like, the way Matt Murray did after his Cup win and Cam Ward all the way back. And now it's just like, oh, okay. So he was uh, he was about average this year, and he was roundly outplayed by his backup. By the way, Elon, you mentioned uh, the difficulty level of shots they faced. Jake Allen's expected save percentage was a 922 Binnington's was a 920, and both those numbers just uh, both describe the number the save percentage that an average NHL goalie would have had with their workload. So um, Allen's was a a smidge easier, but not significantly so. Uh, But Allen way, way, way outplayed his expected save percentage compared to Binnington, who still outplayed his by an okay amount. Uh, But Allen really blew his out of the water. I like this take because it brings to recognition – the amazing spot start that Jake Allen was this year and how reliable he was like Jake Allen. uh, When has he been reliable? He had a 67, uh, two out of every three starts of his were a quality start, which is a really, that's good. Actually last year, a 55% quality start. He actually has been a more reliable than usual goalie, which just is not how the narrative is for me in my mind, but I guess I'm wrong about that. Anyway, I'm giving this take a solid, a solid seven.
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to go down. You just reminded me that, like, yeah, Allen did well, but maybe it's just because he didn't play a lot. So I'm going to go down to six, actually. And also, yeah, this is the reason why I'm not going to rush to grab Carter Hart, because right now Carter Hart seems like a sure thing. Why not? But that's what we thought about Jordan Bennington last year. I didn't. That's what a lot of people thought, and we saw what happened, so you never
1: know. Cool. Well, with a 13 out of 20, that puts this one into third, I believe. And so it is now going to, as of now, it's it's part of our uh, final five discussion. Uh, we have one more goaltending take to get to. Martin Jones will post above league average numbers next year. We'll start with Brian. Oof.
2: I am not the one to have faith in Martin Jones. You're, you're coming to the wrong guy. If you want someone to believe in what Martin Jones can offer, uh, way below average this year. He had an 8.96 save percentage compared to a league average 9.10. Exact same as last year. League average 9.10. Uh, Martin Jones was an 8.96. I don't know if to say two or three years ago. I'll just say the years before that, he was a 9.15 and a 9.12 compared to league average 9.12 and 9.13. So at best, at best, and I made this take several times on our almanacs uh, that we've released the last couple seasons martin jones at his very best is a league average goalie so to think that uh, he's likely to finish above that i'm not buying and i also think that we saw finally the sharks patience for martin jones run out this year which took a lot because they've signed him long term they are so invested in, in him working out and they were still like okay we've seen enough we, we we've pushed this far enough let's get aaron dalen and see what he can do and like, let's get Aaron Dell in. How many teams are going to say that? So I am rating this. This for me, I'm just going to go one. I have nothing left to give for Martin Jones.
0: Yeah. I mean, last year, I Carlson went to the Sharks. I bought my Sharks hat. I made my bet on the Sharks winning the cup. I was all excited. I sat down. I watched a bunch of Sharks playoffs games just to see the team in front of Martin Jones look pretty good at least offensively and martin jones just letting goal after goal that you're just like no C- stop one just uh i don't like him he he. i had to buy a new hat i bought an islander's hat everyone asks me now why are you wearing an islander's hat i'm like i don't know i just was tired of my shark's hat and i on a whim i bought and now i don't even like that hat so i'm gonna have to buy a fourth hat because i originally started with a sense hat it's like costing me money <laughs> martin
1: jones so w- one as well wow. i agree Can I just... I have to ask you guys, because anytime I tweet about Martin Jones, we get Martin Jones truthers showing up in our mentions being like, (laughs) no, he's actually really good in the playoffs. Do you guys have that as well? It's such a weird sect of Twitter that always shows up
2: I think those are John Reed's burner accounts
0: <laughs> <laughs> I definitely remember there was someone Brian who one time really disagreed with where we ranked Martin Jones and Schmore goalies board and he like gave all these and you we, and I, I remember I really engaged them I was like no but Brian was looking at the expected save percentage and how like because the previous year he had been pretty decent and Brian was saying he like wasn't going to be good and then Brian turned out to be like totally right and I remember I messaged that guy back to be like hey what do you think and I really thought he was like oh look at you guys you're so good then he would but he wasn't he was like mad and he was like no like you're guys aren't giving him enough credit still and i was like okay i don't know I don't well know if you're you. still
2: listening that guy please uh please send us a tweet let us know like we want to be on good terms with you so of uh, like it doesn't have to don't you don't have to say anything just say hey how's it going
0: yeah i could probably find those tweets
1: i actually thought this one would rank higher i'll be honest i just thought that you know it's it's league average is not a not a high bar obviously martin jones is who he is i I understand that but i thought as far as boldness goes that this might get a little bit of respect <laughs>
0: to be fair, uh, <laughs> I don't want the winner of the hot takeoff to be this player. Will be average. Like that's <laughs> kind of like that doesn't sound even hot on its own. And even still, we were like, no, not going to happen. But even if it was something we agreed with, it's not that hot a take.
1: Yeah, that that is very reasonable. Let's move into the team section. We have a couple of takes here, and then we'll do our uh, our lightning round, and then we will move into the finals. we we're, we're getting there, gentlemen. Uh, we'll All start right. with. Edmonton. Uh, The first take in the team section, Edmonton was going to win the Stanley Cup this (laughs) season, and if they resume the year at any point, the Oilers will win the Cup. I'll start with Elon. I mean, I kind of said something
0: similar to that on a recent podcast episode, like after yeah. uh, some crazy games by uh, Dreisaitl and, and McDavid and Ryan Hopkins. another reason why I ended up losing in the quarterfinals of the cup I promise I'll stop bringing that up at some point. But Jeff, <laughs> never good, man.
2: It, when Elon loses, he never stops bringing it up. <laughs> it, it, thank goodness it happens so rarely. But you're right, Elon. If I hadn't heard the Gusev take already, I would have thought this was yours because you, you have said this.
0: Yeah, I mean they're looking really good, like their goalies haven't been as terrible, you know, as we thought they would be they're they're fine, I think that would be like the biggest obstacle is can they get good enough goaltending but I think there's no fear really like Brian, I remember you said as a counterpoint like, oh, but if other teams are able to shut down their first couple of lines, and I don't know if the Oilers have the depth, but it's like, they can't I don't think the other teams can shut down the Dreisaitl or McDavid lines, especially now with Yamamoto, you know, really stepping up, and I don't know, and and then they traded for, obviously, well, it didn't really work out for Athanasiou, and we'll see How it looks with Tyler Ennis? I don't know. They they seem like they have decent depth. I don't like saying they would have won the cup. Like it's so like this of all the sports, right? The Stanley Cup is like maybe one of the hardest to predict, just because the playoffs are so random. So I think it's definitely possible. I don't know how hot of a take we can make this, since I think they were like guaranteed to make the playoffs. Like they have a pretty decent ranking already, so they were definitely going to be a contender. So I don't know how hot it is, and I don't know how right it is, but I think they're they had decent chance. So, I don't know. I guess I'm not too excited about this take, but I do kind of agree that they would have been one of the people I would have, teams I would have thought that people should be afraid of or keep an eye on. So, I guess a five.
2: Yeah, well, you had to keep an eye on them because the West is weak. Right, there's no team that really stands over and above. So the West is open to anyone. You know, people are looking at Colorado and Dallas and Vegas is probably the the favorites, but Edmonton is right up there because they have two game breaking lines. But what they don't have is very deep defense. What they don't have is good reliable goaltending or uh, even depth forwards like good a good bottom six they don't need to be a good scoring bottom six but there needs to be a bottom six and they barely had a top six until they acquired Athanasiou and Ennis at the deadline so I just don't think Edmonton had the depth to pull this off and they were really kind of crashing as we headed into the pause that we're now in they'd only won five of their last 10 um and their shot shares and their expected goal shares we're just tanking, and I wonder if that was sort of um, uh, like an aftermath of them getting these new players and trying to rejig their rosters and figure out what works. But the truth is, over the course of the whole season, they never really stood out as a team that was particularly above average, even with those two, like, worlds above average lines that they were rolling. Um, so for that reason i don't think that they had a great chance of winning the stanley cup i like the take i think it's novel i think it's fun to think of edmonton as a team and in the playoffs sometimes a goalie gets hot right some unsung guy uh it could have been mike smith it could have been miko koskinen just gets hot at the right time and could have carried them at least yeah. to they the have conference before, finals I mean. yeah so it was it's possible but i don't think they were the favorites uh so i'm gonna give this take i'm gonna give it a six because i i i think it's novel i think it's fun to think about but i just don't think it has enough legs to carry it higher
0: yeah i think i actually want to take it down just because now i'm starting to think like there's probably like 10 teams that the same take could have been made and we would have given it the same score which kind of like you know a lot of teams have a good chance to win the cup
2: i don't think i could have given a better take to any western team because if if the take was colorado is gonna win the stanley cup it's like not hot enough yeah it's not hot enough even though it's more likely yeah
1: or vegas yeah or st louis doesn't Mike Smith have like the highest save percentage in the playoffs of all time or something? Isn't that a stat? Whoa. Ooh.
2: I've never heard that one. I'm going to see if I can find it.
1: <laughs> it is true. I have just looked it up. Damn.
0: Well, there you go. So it's obvious. Look, Mike Smith, by the way, last Quick. year, I remember, was really good. Name
2: the team with which he saw the majority of his playoff games Arizona?
0: I guess not. They never made the playoffs.
2: <laughs> yeah. Try again. Is it Dallas? Uh, oh, actually, uh, so Dallas would have been my guess. I'm pulling up his playoffs. Oh, Mike Smith has 24 career playoff games. So let's not get. And okay. yes, uh, 16 of them came in a run with Phoenix, uh, ah. where he, he was 944. I guess, did they make. Was that the year they made the finals?
1: The conference finals. The conference finals. Yeah, I believe they lost to the Blackhawks that year, that the Blackhawks were just cruising the whole way.
2: And the year before that, he played three games with. Tampa and had a 958 save percentage. So yeah, all time leader in save percentage, but like barely played.
0: Ben, is it a hot take to say that you're used to doing short shifts and this is a lot that we're bordering on two hours? Or or how are you? I'm curious how you're doing this time. Brian and I have built up a stamina of doing two hour podcasts over many years, but
1: you're like the short shifts guy. Right. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, I will say that my dad texted me about an hour ago and said, you look bored. At which point I was (laughs) like, oh God, I got to get more invested in this. (laughs) But hey, Gord. (laughs) board gourd. He also said Elon, I love Elon. He's a wild man.
2: Poo 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 poo. Is that what a wild man would do? I guess so. I
0: guess in the west. I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2
1: lately, so I've, you know. It reminds me of Charlie Day uh yeah cutting the brakes on the van and then yelling wild card bitches and jumping out the Wild back. card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Of course I hit the core.
1: <laughs> Let's move. Where on. are we? Uh, more teams that one was from our good pal john reed happy birthday to john happy, happy birthday, birthday. John. and we'll talk to
0: john soon on an upcoming episode
1: all right uh, this one this next one is for you two ottawa hometown civilians uh, uh, anyway <laughs> the ottawa senators will get two of the top three picks this year they'll get hot at the right time next year and cruise to the atlantic conference <laughs> championships we'll start oh, wow. with brian
2: Wait, the Atlantic Conference? There's no such thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Atlantic Division. I assume it means the Eastern Conference, but it could mean Atlantic Division. I don't know.
2: I would have assumed Eastern Conference.
1: Either. It doesn't matter. Are they
0: going to lead their division?
2: Look, they're not going to do either one, so it doesn't matter. Like, even if it's not that hot... I'm at the lottery simulator right now. I'm simming it. Ottawa has two of the top three. I'm simming it again. Ottawa has... Uh, nope, two in the top five. Whatever, you get the point. Uh, there's a pretty decent chance that they get two uh, two picks in the top three. But is that going to be enough to, to take what doesn't even exist as a roster into serious contention? I know we're all awaiting the five years of unparalleled success that we've been promised in Ottawa by the owner um, for, you know, putting up with this garbage of a decade or whatever it's been. But uh I just don't see things turning around that quickly. And I definitely don't see things turning around that quickly without bringing in some kind of reinforcements to fill out all the holes that are in this roster. It's almost like, okay, if we have enough good players, then we'll build around them and we'll we'll plug other talented players in those holes and stop using jobbers like Michael Bodker and whoever else. Um, But I just don't see how that's going to happen. Like that takes money which the Senators don't have, they especially don't have it after this season that's been paused, right? Like there's a lot of revenue lost uh, that Eugene Malnick was probably counting on. So I would say that he's probably further from investing in the team now than he was before. And he was as far as possible before. So it is just, uh, it would take some sort of quantum physics to get Eugene Malnick to put the money into this team at this point that they would need to be a legit contender in any kind of way.
0: Okay, so what's your score?
2: Oh, uh, this is a one for me. Yeah, just because I think it's pretty—it's predictable enough that they'll get two picks in the top three, and then uh, but there's no way they'll compete. Totally implausible.
0: Also, just like let's think about it even if they do get two picks in the top three like there's not necessarily these are gonna be game breakers next season in their rookie years like exactly 18 or 19 year olds like i think this would be a more plausible take if it's like they're gonna get two picks in the top three and then like two years from now they make the playoffs and the following year they lead their division or something like that like i could see that being a reasonable expectation if you want to be optimistic about the sends uh but next year come on no way no way though i do we do love brady kachuk Clearly, so I'll give it a two. I'll go higher than Brian. Uh, I think it's possible, but, like, unlike... Also, who's the goalie in this scenario? Like, I'd like to
2: figure out... <laughs> Marcus Hogberg.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, so... Okay, yeah, I'll leave it at a two.
1: All right, we have one more take before we get to the lightning round. If and when the Buffalo Sabres miss the 2021 playoffs, Jack Eichel will ask for a formal request to be traded, starting with Elon this time.
0: No. Probably not. How often does that happen with a a young superstar on their team? I feel like Do
1: you
2: you remember the talk at the start of the season where it was like if the Oilers aren't gonna figure it out this time, like Connor McDavid's asking his way out?
0: But who was that verified? Like did Connor McDavid say that?
2: No, but like he always seemed kind of grumpy.
0: What does that even mean? (laughs) He seemed grumpy. Were you there in the The, locker room? I don't know. Anyway.
2: Who would want to be? He looked like Sad McDavid.
0: I think that. The Sabres should be on the up-and-up, right? Like, Olafsson's looking good. Dallen should be better. Like, they have good... I don't know. They're kind of like the Oilers, right? Like, they have some really amazing pieces, and it's just a matter of building around. Linus Allmark. Like, when Allmark was playing on that stretch, he was, like, doing well. Like, maybe if he could stay healthy. So, anyways, that's a whole other take, because we're talking about if they don't make the playoffs. I think it depends, like, how terrible they are, but I don't know. I don't really want to try to speculate on... Like, this is more like speculating on Jack Eichel's personality, right? And, uh... I don't think he, he would do a formal request, I think, because like, what if they say no? It's very awkward. Why not just do an informal request? And- well, the
2: idea is that you, they can't really say no. Like, once you request to be traded, it's like, okay, please trade me. And then if the team doesn't move on it and the player's still unhappy, then that trade request somehow gets out to the media who spreads it around yeah. and then it becomes a distraction and the team has no choice. Brian, let
0: me ask you, like, do you think Buffalo will make the playoffs next year? Do you think it's no. a good, do you think there's an okay chance they will? Do you think, no. think they'll be close? You think they're going to be just as terrible as this year?
2: I think they're still going to be pretty bad. Like, do they, who was their most recent, didn't they get a decent draft pick in the last draft? Uh, that, oh yeah, Dylan Cousins, I believe. I've... People are into him. I'm going, okay. to, uh, I'm going to check You just go verify this.
0: that. I remember going into this year, I was super excited about the Sabres because I thought they really did a lot to shore up their D. Like They brought in Brandon Montour yeah. at the end of the previous year. Henry Yoki Haru, they got in that trade for Alex Nylander. Uh, they still had Ristolainen, like Colin Miller, uh, now Dalene, I thought they'd be like one of these teams that's really good defensively. Plus, like, we thought Linus Allmark was going to take that step forward, and he kind of did. Like, I still think the pieces are there where they could be decent enough defensively. And then they have some offensive weapons. It would be nice if Jeff Skinner didn't totally disappear. And I know, Brian, you blamed that all on the coach. He didn't
2: disappear. He was disappeared. Either way, I think they could
0: be decent, but that's not the take anyway. So I'll give this a one and we can move on.
2: Yeah, Buffalo finished 13 points behind uh, Carolina. For the last playoff spot, although thirteen points behind Columbus with two games in hand, so like maybe they had a chance to finish nine points away, but I I don't see them filling that gap. Uh, they do have Dylan Cousins coming up, and they do have a solid defense, and they could finally have a goalie. But I just up front, it still just seems very strange. It's like they have Eichel and Reinhardt, and when those guys aren't on the ice together then nothing's happening or you can put Eichel and Skinner but there's really uh when Jack Eichel isn't on the ice there's not a whole lot happening anywhere which is how the Oilers operated for a while and we saw where it got them and I expected to get the Sabres to the same place so I'm gonna give this uh I'll give it a uh, so is it likely that Eichel is gonna ask for a trade sure I'll give it a three but like you said I don't know anything about Jack Eichel but would he be justified in it
1: sure yeah okay This take comes from a Twitter follower and pal of ours on average time on ice, Joel Harashuk. I'm sorry, Joel, if I've just butchered your last name. But hey, how you doing, Joel? You're a good guy to hang out with on Twitter all the time. Uh, Folks, we are now at the end of the main portion of the hot takeoff. I have a few um lightning round takes that I want to read out. I think what we'll do here is I'll give you guys the opportunity to say whether or not you want to argue for these to be part of the final judging. So basically I'm gonna read these takes you guys say if it's if it's something that you think should be part of the final five. Remember that our our current top three is that Brady Kachuk will be a top ten goal scorer next season. Quinn Hughes leads all defensemen in scoring, and Jake Allen starts more games than Jordan Binnington. That's our current top three, Um, so now you have a chance to say whether or not these takes should be part, and you can kind of give a defense if you think this is something that, that should be judged accordingly. Does that sound good to you guys?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: All right, we'll start... Maybe I'll go back and forth. I'll give each of you a chance to sort of uh, to sort of choose whether or not you think this is worth it. We'll start with a take about a Philadelphia Flyers player. I'll start with Elon on this one. Elon, do you think we should be considering Travis Konechny will outscore Claude Giroux by at least 20 points, lead the Flyers in scoring, and eclipse a point per game?
2: Wow. Okay. Like all three? I know you said Elon starts, but like you could have probably picked one of those and just like gotten the point across.
0: I mean, Konechny had a a great season, definitely. And I'm just bringing up the numbers now. We're looking at uh, 61 points in 66 games for Konechny, while Giroud had 53 and 69. So. You it by at least twenty, so it would have to be an even bigger disparity. Maybe it would have ended up. Anyways, yeah, Konechny had a great season. Definitely, I really like him. I think he's broken out as an elite star. Uh, this like by twenty points over Claude Giroux. But I guess you needed that to make it hot. Right. I like the. I like it, but I don't think it's gonna make it to the final five.
2: Ten points would have been hot enough. Although yeah. I guess he he was on pace to be if he played the same number of games as Claude Giroux this year. Um, I let's see. Uh, By the way,
0: I'm just going to go back, let's say uh, 19 games, just arbitrarily. In the last 19 games, Giroud 18 points and Konechny 18 points. So Giroud definitely had a bad start, but he was really heating up right after he got dropped <laughs> in uh, the Tier 1 of the Cacouple. That was one of the biggest shocks of the season. And uh, yeah, that was definitely a regrettable drop in the end because Giroud really started to heat up right after that. And uh, yeah, I just don't know if Giroud's done just yet. Brian, you've said over time, at different times, that you thought think Giroud's done, but... I don't know. I'll, I love Konechny. I love I love him, and I think he'll be great. I think he probably will outscore Giroux. I think that's definitely possible, but by 20 seems too crazy.
2: Giroux is the one NHL player who listens to our podcast and hates me because every time I say I believe in him, he blows it. Every time I say I'm done with him, he ramps up. Like, he, he is someone who I've never had success projecting, so don't take anything I say about him too seriously. Travis Konechny, on the other hand, uh, we've been really into and I've been really into um hoping that he could break out. It seemed like last year was his first opportunity. This is like 2018-19 and then uh, but they, he just didn't get that push to get to play often enough. This year he didn't actually play a whole lot more, at least at even strength, but he still uh you know was able to finally break through thre- thanks to some fortunate shooting, let's say, uh, and also definitely some extra power play time. Whether I don't think he can I don't think any flyer can finish 20 points ahead of Claude Giroud um, as long as they're all on the same power play, right? Giroux is so deadly on that power play. If you're with him on the power play, he's going to be picking up points right alongside you. You're never going to be able to pull away from him there. Uh, so, I the 20 points is a that's a big one. I I can't get with that. But can he lead the Flyers in scoring? Well, he did it this year. So there's a pretty decent chance he does it again next year. But we did see some really cold snaps from each of Couturier, Forchek, and Giroux. Elon, do you think it would be? I don't think would it be how hot would it be to say Konechny doesn't lead the Flyers in scoring next year?
0: I think it's really could be between him, Giroud, and then maybe like Couturier and Voracek have outside chances. Probably not. Like I don't think either way is that. I don't think that's too hot. I think he might and he might not. Like I think it, it'll be close.
2: Yeah. So. so like this just doesn't seem. It doesn't seem plausible enough. I like that we're giving some kudos to Travis Konechny, but uh, it, you tried. You you played yourself right as you said, Elon. But some <laughs> some some other take. Uh, Twenty points was too big a gap. Ten to fifteen. I think 10 would have been really interesting because he's pacing for 10 more than Giroud now when Giroud really struggled for part of a season. Uh, that would have been the sweet spot for me on this take to give it a score higher than the five I'm going to give it.
0: Well, we're not even giving scores, right? We're just deciding if he makes it to the finals. It looks like
2: oh. we said no. Okay, no.
1: All right. Uh, Andrei Svechnikov, a top 10 fantasy player next season. I'll start with Brian on this one. Do, does this make your top three or top five?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Svechnikov being a top five, top five or top, top 10, top 10 fantasy player next season. Yeah. I mean, we talked about when we did Elon's little, uh, Roto draft game on Thursday, where I don't know if you explained it, Elon, but like Elon made this spreadsheet that updates automatically. And basically it's like a game with all, like all the cards are on the table. You see every player's stats for 2019, 20. And your goal is to draft the best Roto team with the season having already been played. So everybody knows where these guys are going to finish. It's just about strategizing and filling uh, categories the right way so that your Roto scoring uh, is better than anyone else's. And we noted there how great Andrei Svechnikov's hit totals were. They were fantastic. And his scoring was great. And his shots are great. So he's fantastic in two scoring categories and I hope he'll continue doing damage on the top power play next season and he's got those hits as a bonus category that he can fill so I could absolutely see Svechnikov like it's not it's not a guarantee which is what still makes this hot it's like there's a lot of guys who could be a top 10 fantasy player but I think Svechnikov could enter there I would put that in our top five takes we've heard tonight all right, let's
0: do it. This year, by the way, I'm looking at, again, his Fantasy Hockey Podcast League, which is a categories league, so there's more weight to his nice hit numbers and also power play points. And he ranks currently 38 uh, for average rank, uh, and, but that includes guys like Morgan Geeky, who had a couple good games. Let's say, like, top 35 to around the 30. So, yeah, he would have to jump up a bit more, but we'd expect him to as he gets older. And uh, obviously, a lot is going to depend on if he gets to stick with Aho, but maybe he will. Uh, so I think it's possible. So, uh, sure, let's put in the final five. Top
1: five, baby. Uh, So maybe it's best if you guys give it a score out of 10, just so we can sort of properly rank these.
2: Okay, I'm going to give it a seven.
0: Okay, and I guess if we are going to be giving these guys scores, I'll also give it a seven. Sure.
2: Okay.
1: I I don't think you need to give all of them scores in the lightning round, but just like the ones that you deem worth worth getting into. I'm sorry to, I I was just trying to speed things up because we had a lot of submissions here. (laughs)
0: no problem let's go
2: how many more in the lightning round do we have just so i can pace myself
1: uh i believe there are five left okay we'll do more lightning yes okay uh next this is the last one for forwards philip zadina will have a point per game season next year assuming he plays a full 82 game season we'll go to elon
0: Nah, not, not in the final five. Uh, he'll, he might be a good guy to grab at the end of your draft. If he's still out there, he could be, I'll bet you he will be on a lot of people's sleeper lists. But I think like we'll be totally happy if he could be like a 60-70 point guy. Poyberg game is getting like really crazy.
2: I'd be thrilled if he could be a 60-70 point guy. Uh, that's really hard to do in Detroit, period. So uh, yeah, I am not very sold. On this at all. I thought the qualifier was going to be as long as he plays with Dylan Larkin the full season. Like, forget about 82 games. I'm already going to try and assume that. I'm going to grant him that. But uh, if he doesn't play with Dylan Larkin, then you can absolutely forget it.
0: Yeah, but he did actually get stretches with Larkin at the oh, end yeah, of the year. Oh, yeah, but
2: I, I was just saying, like, if you want to qualify your hot take about Philip Zadina, it's not about how many games he plays. It's about you're with Dylan Larkin or you're with nobody.
0: Yeah, well, he needs both. Uh, his most common line mates this year, I'm seeing on uh, Frozen Tools, uh, Zadina, Larkin, Bertuzzi. So when he was and playing, he was playing with Larkin for the most part.
2: Dylan Larkin himself only pays for 61 points. So a point per game for Zadina would be insane
0: yeah, and also that was with Mantha injured. So I guess, yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens with Bertuzzi, Mantha, Larkin, all healthy. Does Zadina get that top line or not?
2: Something to watch next year! Or does he play with not even Athanasiu?
0: Well, not Athanasiu, that's for
2: sure. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Athanasiu used to be like, okay, maybe he could play with Athanasiu on the second line. Now it's that's like Valtteri, you only. Phil That's you who loves Athanasiu no, so much. No, I'm just saying <laughs> you, that you've got, you look for who's going to be on the second line, who's going to center him, Athens U was a better choice than Phil Pula. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's the problem. It's like uh, he has to stick on the top line all season. I could see just switching back and forth a lot like how it did this year.
1: All right. So not making it. What's next? Uh, next, we're in the defenseman category. Morgan Riley scores 70 plus and is in the Norris conversation. I'll go to Elon.
0: I think it's possible. So like Tyson Barry will be gone. Uh, well, potentially, right? He's a UFA. And already Morgan Riley did this before. Uh, he he did get over 70 points a couple seasons ago. So I see this as being plausible. The whole Norris thing... I don't even want to talk about the Norris thing, because I, I don't know. Like, whatever. This is a fantasy podcast. I care mostly about the players' points, and I think that it's totally plausible that he can do that next year, which makes it not so hot, which makes it probably not a final fiver. For, well, but I guess it is kind of hot because people are going to be down on him. But I think also we're all aware that he, you know, the reason why he didn't do as well this year is because he was bumped from the top power play. I guess he wasn't doing well at, while he was there as much as we thought he would. Uh, but obviously things could change. The Leafs will still have all of their big, high, big names next year as they did this year. So I don't know. It's not especially hot for me, uh, but I think he's definitely a guy to watch as like a bounce back candidate. I think like it, you'd be dumb not, if you're writing an article of bounce back candidates for next year, Morgan Riley at the top of the list, unless the Leafs resign Tyson Berry or go after another person who could challenge for the top power play.
2: So you think that Morgan Riley getting 70 is too plausible. I think it's not plausible enough. And the reason is Rasmus Sandin, even if Tyson Barry leaves Toronto, Sandin, I think, is the heir apparent to the top power play quarterback spot. I think that would actually be a nice hot take, that Rasmus Sandin quarterbacks the Toronto power play all season long. Um, and even if Morgan Riley did, Quarterback, that top unit all season long. He's not getting 20 goals again the way he did in his 72 point season. Uh, He has not, he didn't deserve them that season. We talked about in the Almanac, he didn't deserve them this year. Only three goals in 47 games. He was back on pace for about the six goals he'd scored the two seasons prior to his 20 goal season. So I'm not buying in that Morgan Riley can ever be a 70 point defenseman again even with the best deployment ever and for that reason i'm uh, not qualifying this for our finals
0: okay where did you hear this about rasmus sandin by the way is this just like your take from you just a couple take. of the games yeah that, you haven't actually heard it so what like i don't know i guess he was drafted in the first round so it's possible i think it's more than likely that morgan riley would be the guy next year if barry doesn't come back
1: It's a whack take, Brian.
0: Yeah, I don't know where you, I just want to know where you got it from. Like, are you just saying it because it's just a name that you heard people mention? Or is that actually something people have said? He
2: got a couple turns uh, this season already. Did he? he? On the top power play? I feel like he did. Am I wrong? I don't think so.
1: I think that they had a a three forward two D situation at one point, maybe in bet- like when injuries were hitting. But I don't think that it was ever a thing where they were giving like four, four like with a full uh-huh. roster. Rasmus Sandin, you're
2: was top right. Power play. I, I don't. So I don't know why I thought this. But, just because it's a fun
0: uh, thing to say. You just you're you're all caught I'm up in fun. the hot take. <laughs> I think that Jake Muzzin has has a better chance of taking over the top power play than Rasmus Sandin. Nah. He used to get a decent amount of power play time in LA. I think that was also a three forward two defenseman situation. Yeah, That's the only reason why. I think like uh Martin Morincent.
1: No, I'm just kidding.
0: Okay. Uh so this one's not going forward. Uh what do we got next in the in the
1: lightning round? We got one more defenseman take. Roman Yossi should be the first to drafted D man next year. I'll start with Brian. Cold.
2: Oh, that's so cold. Like, go back and redo your drafts this year. He's going to be the first or second drafted defenseman. He could be the first because of those blocks that he gets ahead of John Carlson, even though he's not quite up uh, at John Carlson's power play point totals or whatever. Uh, Super cold.
0: Yeah, I think the... Real fun thing you should do with this take is remember how Brian says it's super cold. Then go back to last summer's episodes when P.K. Subban got traded. And then I was saying that for sure the biggest impacted player here is going to be Roman Yozzi, who now finally is the main guy in Nashville. And everyone was still, you know, talking about P.K. Subban and stuff. I called it. Subban- yozy had an amazing season. And plus, it was, Nashville wasn't even that good this year. Imagine if Nashville, like, gets back to scoring like they were a couple years ago. Like, Philip Forsberg finally reclaims the, like, 70-plus point pace that we assumed that he was going to get this year. Who knows? Yossi could be even better. So, uh, too cold. Sorry. But na- thanks, for, thanks for coming.
2: Thanks for coming.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we did all the goalie takes. Uh, yeah. All right. So we have a, uh, just two more team takes in the lightning round. First one, the New York Rangers, my New York Rangers, in fact, will finish third in the Metro with 30 plus wins from Igor Shostyorkin, 70 points for Strom and Zabanajad will push 90 <laughs> points. I'll start with Elon. Uh, it's all plausible i don't know like cold
0: too cold not making it but i like it the rangers are being. if i could go back to when i bought that islanders hat i wish i bought a rangers hat because thank you it was so fun uh cheering especially in my cupful team when i had d'angelo schistjorkin and buchnevich these like, guys, I like, all got out of free agency, and they were all like crushing it so well. And like, and plus obviously he's a bandad and Panarin. I've always loved Panarin. This team is uh, going places as long as Justjorkin stays healthy. Like, I wouldn't say it if it was you know Lundqvist still the goalie that they have to depend on. But now that it's Shastjorkin, I think it's totally possible.
2: Totally. I think it might be a little, the only thing implausible about it is that the Metropolitan was like the division of death this year, right? Washington, Philly, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Columbus, the Islanders, the Rangers. It was a, like, it was a, you look at the NHL standings, the bottom six teams in the East were all from the Atlantic division, um the metro ran wild on the whole league this year so i think that's the that'll be the hardest piece is the rangers finishing atop? top probably still the most competitive division in hockey um but i think the rest is fairly plausible so i'm not gonna like Shastorkin locked in for 30 wins um so i'm going to uh, pass on this as one i guess to the finals
1: all right we got one more take toronto would beat boston in the playoffs <laughs> this season if it happened oh my god this, uh, start with brian this
2: is like what leafs fan is just like wants to float this out there to be like you know those times boston beat toronto in game seven in the playoffs this this year i guarantee it wouldn't have happened i i can't even comment on this, this is a zero I'm, can i assign negative points Well, the thing is that I think Toronto wouldn't
0: have beat Boston in the playoffs if it would have happened because they wouldn't have played Boston because Boston's too far ahead of Tampa Bay at this point. Boston has 100 points. Tampa has 92. Maybe in the next round. Well, okay, sure. Well, whatever. (laughs) Maybe they would have. So Toronto would have had to first beat
2: Tampa and then beat Boston? I don't don't know. No way. This is not going to happen. Boston on a hundred point team, Toronto 81 points. Like you're looking at a super strong Boston, iteration of Boston again. And uh, one of the weak, like probably a weaker Toronto team this year than the one that faced Boston last year.
0: Well, I mean, obviously anything could happen in the playoffs. I would have been really excited. I hope it still happens. I want to see Toronto versus Tampa in a playoff series. That could be a really exciting high scoring series. I think those games would be like must watch. So That would have been fun. I thought going into the season, it was like a guarantee of just Toronto, Boston again in round one. And it was surprising to see Tampa falter as they did. Uh, So yeah. uh, Anyways. Yeah. I agree with you, Brian, not going to the finals. Come on. Like even if it, even if it could happen, like it's not even that hot. Like any team could beat any team in the playoffs.
1: Here's my hot take. This whole COVID-19 canceling the season thing. It friggin sucks. Yeah. (laughs) Cold (laughs) take. 10, (laughs) 10, 10, 10's across the board. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we have a few decisions to make here. We have a top four that I think is pretty solid. Uh, Number one, of course, Brady Kachuk will be a top 10 goal scorer next season number two we have Quinn Hughes leads all defensemen in scoring number three we have Andre Svechnikov is a top 10 fantasy player next year and then number four on the bubble right now Jake Allen starts more games than Jordan Binnington you each have an opportunity to bring in one take from the from the entire list that you think is worth discussing here or we can include this Jake Allen take in the final five it's up to you I'll start with Elon Elon do you want to exercise your your right to drag a take back from the take grave (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh what was the bjorkstrand one right from the start again we had a oliver bjorkstrand top 10 in scoring next year believe it
0: yeah that's that's probably too hot okay i'm good to leave it how it is okay
1: and brian Uh, I will remind you of the uh, Alex Ovechkin.
2: I made a note. So I I would put that ahead of the Jake Allen take. The Ovechkin leaves for Russia.
1: We have room for both in our top five here.
2: Okay. Well, you have my ranking already. So uh, I would put, yeah, Ovechkin. I'm bringing it back, Elon, for you to reconsider. And if you don't want to reconsider, just to scare you again.
1: (laughs) All right, guys. Well, we have a top five here. How, do, how should we decide this? I really didn't think any anything through as far Because it does depend on you two reaching a consensus here. Um, the highest scoring is that Brady Kachuk will be a top 10 goal scorer next year. That's like running away with it. It's 17 out of 20. Yes. Uh, next, we have Quinn Hughes leads all defensemen in scoring with 15. 14 for Andrei Svechnikov, top 10 fantasy player. 13 for Jake Allen plays more games than Jordan Bennington, And then Brian's uh, zombie take about <laughs> uh, Alex Ovechkin heading home to Russia so he can participate in the Olympics um i'm okay at a loss yeah i feel like uh i guess it's an
0: opportunity for either of us to convince someone to change their vote or someone to say they've decided to change their vote i'm good with brian's hot take being the hottest one it was the one that i liked the best but i also think that we shouldn't like actually call that the winner because it's too lame like uh to be like our own podcast where we judge the winner and then it's ours that's the winner this just
2: keeps happening
0: but okay, so fine. So Brian, you get it for, you know, yourself to put on your wall. The, the whole point of the Brian and Elon takes, in my opinion, was like to be a side bet of trying to trick the other person to give a higher score to theirs. And I obviously lost that. So Brian, you win that. But as far as the serious hot takeoff of submissions from our listeners, I'm happy with the Quinn Hughes highest scoring defense, because I think it's kind of hot, considering there's lots of other defenses that are going to get drafted ahead of him, especially in terms of... uh Well, in fantasy, probably also that'll be justified because of the lack of peripherals. Yeah. I think even if people were to just come up with their projections, I don't think Quinn Hughes is going to be projected as the highest scoring defenseman in a lot of projections, but I think it's pretty possible that it could happen. So uh, I'm good with that, Brian, unless you want to make an argument for why I should consider one of the other takes ahead of it, aside from the Ovechkin one.
2: (laughs) Well, The Ovechkin one is the only one I want you to consider ahead of it. I I legit love that take. Uh, so that's my personal number one, but on behind Brady Kachuk, of course, which I'm very proud of, by the way. Um, on aggregate, though, I think I think Quinn Hughes is still going to take this as the and and I'll put the Svechnikov being a top ten fantasy player as the third best listener submitted take.
0: So, Brian, just to make it clear like so Svechnikov you think that not only what he did this year was for real but you're you're when we do the almanac you're going to project higher like top 10 you're thinking he's going to be like potentially like a 90 point guy is that like really what you're I'm just curious to get your actual take on him
2: yeah I like it's hard I guess like he's enough of a mystery to me that I just don't know um and I think like he had 20 power play points this year which is huge so he'll need to keep that up which I think he'll need to step up his even strength scoring and I think he... I don't know. I just... I feel like we haven't seen everything from from Svechnikov yet. And his sample, like his career sample, is pretty small. So like, we're still building an understanding of who he is. So for me, this is just like, kind of a shot in the dark. Um This year was reasonably steady with his rookie season. He actually generated fewer shots this season compared to last season. But uh, he had more time on ice. Uh, so like and sorry generated fewer shots per 60 minutes so maybe because he got that extra time on ice his shot rates dropped but maybe he'll figure out a way to make it work next season Uh, as a young he's just turning 20 in four days from the time that this is recording so he's going to be 20 years old next season then 20 like he's got a few years to really show us he's got another gear i believe he has it so uh, that's why i think it's plausible but i don't have uh, like that's not a data based it's just that's the eye test right there
0: yeah. Like the thing is, it's very hard for a player in his third season to be like a top 10 fantasy option. I'm just looking through the list of like, who are the you know top fantasy options this season. And it's all people who have been around for at least a little while. I'm trying to find like the youngest player on the list, just in terms of the overall league scoring. I'm seeing Austin Matthews, who's I think it's like his fourth season, if, if, uh, if I'm correct. Uh, Jack Eichel's there uh yeah but aside from that it's like people who have played even more like i'm still scrolling and scrolling oh elias peterson maybe is someone that's in the conversation he's currently in only his second season so i guess it's possible sure even but peterson's not top 10 anyway but that's not the winner anyways it's the quinn hughes one so good so we've got a winner it was mike b right mikey b i remember that because there was a survivor player named mikey
1: b back in Micronesia. yes that's right um I, your encyclopedic survivor knowledge always throws me off. It's Elon. crazy.
2: Do you know <laughs> earlier today, Ben? I called Elon survivor knowledge encyclopedic as well.
1: It's so weird to me because, like, I'll, I, I have a group chat now with Elon and Dina, and they'll like mention things from the seasons, like even a year or two ago, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I, I vaguely remember that player's name, but like, I don't remember anything else about it. Like, I just have no recollection beyond the current season." Okay, so again, I'm trying to, like, build the excitement here that
0: Mike V, you could tell me his name, has won the Keeping Carlson 2019-20 NHL Paused because of COVID hot takeoff. Woo-hoo! Great to go, Mike.
1: Second place uh, patron, well-known patron,
0: Alex Wyatt. Ah, Alex. I've met him before. We had drinks. Uh, so, Mike wins. So, we'll reach out to him. Mike wins an ad on next episode, which we don't know what it's going to be about yet. Brian, I had a crazy idea I want to throw out there. It's super late now. So, probably no one's going to listen to this until like Wednesday at the earliest. But uh, I was thinking that we just start taking submissions for podcast ideas and then we make a wheel of podcast idea submissions and then maybe for the next little while every single show we like do whatever came up last time and then the second half of the show we take the new submissions and put them on the wheel then we spin the wheel it's like the same as another podcast I listen to hosted by Rob Sesternino who's a survivor guy and it's called Robin and Akiva need a podcast and I feel like that would be a lot of fun to just start deciding what should go on the wheel what shouldn't and then we just do whatever comes up we don't even get to choose so it's an idea I had so if people want to start sending in their podcast ideas idea submissions and if we get enough maybe we can spin a wheel next week uh send that to keepingcarlson at gmail.com or tweet them to us at keepingcarlson. and uh, just an idea i had that i want to see if it has any legs Uh, but with that uh brian any final words or uh, Brian, go ahead say your final words on the hot takeoff or say goodbye to the listeners then we'll wrap this thing up
2: i won i won i had the best hot take i won yeah you judged it yourself you're half
0: the judger. I went you also had your highest score, Elon. Okay, so but that's that's true. <laughs> Good job, Brian. Okay, so that's what Brian wants to say. Ben, thank you so much for joining us and will we be I guess you you were moving so you've been busy and then all this craziness in the world, but we're gonna hear from you at some point soon on the short shifts, right?
1: I hope so, Elon. Yeah. Um, Lewis and I both are going through a bunch of life changes right now. Uh, but yes, I'm I'm open for podcast business. Let's get it going. Okay, cool. So uh,
0: definitely everyone stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this show. This will give you a, hopefully a, a couple days of podcast enjoyment as you're uh, sitting at home doing your social distancing. So uh, thanks for everyone who's for submitting their takes. Congrats again to Mike and uh, we'll be in touch. And, uh, Brian, I guess we don't have any credits, so let's cue that outro music, and let's all enjoy the nice, uh, music by Pat Roach. Brian, anything else you want to say?
2: Yeah, I did consult Natural Stat Trick, Frozen Pools, and Hockey Reference a lot as we went through this episode live. So, thanks to them.
0: Thank you so much to them, and to the listeners, and we will catch you all very soon. Looking forward to talking to you, Brian, uh, next week for the next episode, which we'll figure out what it's going to be about.
2: Can't wait. Until then... Please keep social distancing and following the advice of your local health authorities. Or if your local health authorities aren't responsible, then the health authorities of somewhere that is very responsible. And also keep on keeping Carl's son.